I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. Oh, I hate you, Patrick. <laughs> I really hate you too, Kelly. Happy New Year. In the same way they do, except yes. not sexually. It's, I mean, it's close. <laughs> similar, similar way, just as endearing. Yes. Um, Hey man, uh, uh, happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody! Welcome to 2021. Yeah. First, first recording. Welcome back. We made it. We made it. We made it through the day. It is um, podcast uh, 35 total, but podcast number one. <laughs> right, the we're st- starting over. Yeah. We're, we're all decided to start over. Yeah. Um, did you have a relatively happy holiday, considering everything was a little different? Oh yeah. The last episode of this that we recorded was weeks ago, I think, and so, um, yeah, I did. Uh, I did a drive with uh, Laurie to Maryland, and then flew back, and that was weird. And uh, but very good. We did a lot of fun, fun stuff. But just during the pandemic, it was right weird. Um, and yeah. then, um, and then uh, watched a shitload of movies. I was at home on Christmas, watched a bunch of movies, um, did a lot of movie watching with my movie watching group over Zoom. Um, right, and we're gonna right. we're gonna get into all of it, but uh, New Year's was just uh, sitting around watching Mission Impossible, so that was it was good. Hey, good New Year's <laughs> not the worst New Year's in the world. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we we What'd both may we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on the clock because um, yeah, <laughs> I think we've both probably seen as I'm sure you've seen more, but we've probably both seen as many movies in this stretch between yes. episodes as maybe we have the entire time Ever. just because Ever. of yeah. the nature of the world. Yeah. Yes. And also I, I, I did not have COVID. I was negative, but because some people we knew, um, Jess's parents, uh, had right. tested positive and they're doing okay, but they had tested positive. Right. I had not seen them. My work immediately sent me home and I was home for seven days. And oh, wow. what I realized in that time is so leading up to being off some for the holidays, I had like a week off. And what I realized in that time is it's not that I'm, you know, older or not as interested in movies. It's just, I will crush these if I'm not, you know, at work daily and, mm-hmm. yes. and tired from work when I get home. Cause I plowed through more. Welcome to I, my world. Than I have any yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the last so, nine months. <laughs> exactly. So that was the one uh, silver lining for me. Sure. Uh, being a movie buff. But, um, I actually think we should start up this episode being the new year and being how people are, you know, resolutions and, and uh, making amends for, for errors of the past. I yeah. feel like we should start with a notable error. Okay. Uh, one of our friends. Oh, yes, please tell uh, me. Yes. From last uh, our last um, episode, which was uh, Die Hard Commentary. Right. Um, our, our good friend Kevin actually texted us and said, 
McTiernan went to jail for wiretapping the producer of Rollerball and lying to the FBI about it. Uh, not tax fraud, which I thought. I don't know if I crossed uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. I, I was totally with you, by with the him. way, when he sent us that text. I was like, oh, I probably yeah. said. I probably said tax fraud also. No, I think I, I brought it up, but those, the thing is, uh, it doesn't matter. I also yeah. don't know if I read an incorrect report because, you know, you get a lot of conflicting information sure. too and just went with it and never looked further into it. But that is much more interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and also, this is not really a Patrick's pitch. This is a Kevin's pitch. But I do just want to throw out the yes. other feedback we got from Kevin was uh, I will concede my idea for Die Hard, the final Die Hard movie in the White House, because he had a much, uh, <laughs> much better idea um, that we had. Uh, what is it? M- McLean is in a, uh, a senior living center. Yes. At this point. Um, <laughs> and the, the terrorists end up using the living center, kind of like the church in Die Hard 2, yeah. uh, as a staging area for an assault on a nearby embassy. Um, and you know, of course, John, the, the, the older John McLean is the only guy who can save us. And he even had a title, um, and it was, uh, get hard or die trying, <laughs> which I'm all in. And I actually also feel like that's the one die hard sequel that, um, that, uh, Bruce Willis would still maybe do he would be uh, probably and, and way give in something for too. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, great, great feedback, Kevin. Thank um, you. Yes. And, and much appreciated for, uh, for the correction. Apologies to anyone who was offended. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, it's not offense as much as, uh, yeah, he, he just had some great, great notes here. I, anytime right in Kevin, because anything you got to say is always good. Um, right, right. So, well, yeah. as a matter of fact, from that, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. We can jump into the actual stuff after this. But we also got a little bit of feedback, uh, Kelly, um, on on your Star Wars comments. I have not had a chance yet to watch all of the uh, trilogies together. Oh, um, but you were you were riding a little bit high for seven through nine, um, or at least saying that you know if we hadn't grown up with. Um, you know, I think individually, individually, there's still a mess, but all that, all that my point was there is that I had simply had never watched them in a row together. Right. And by watching them in a row, I really was expecting them to feel just as much of a mess as we felt watching them, you know, year, two years apart or whatever. But in fact, I had a stronger feeling of cohesion than I would have ever thought, um, after watching all three, there, there's something about, watching all three in a row of, of anything of literally, I think any property that you can't deny that if you're watching it as a six hour movie or a seven hour movie that your brain just goes, yeah, this is a continuous story and every, all the, the plot points make sense and the connections make sense. And, you know, I think it's more psychological than something that we, Mm. you know, have any control over. Um, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, unconscious, but, uh, my point being there, it was better than I thought it would be of an experience. And that I, I was giving them maybe a little bit more credit after that. Um, that being said, I, it's still a mess. I mean, you know, we're, we're going into a new era of star Wars that, has the potential to right wrongs in a way. uh, And we'll see how far they take that because there's a lot of, you know, talk about uh, kind of there are, there are with the Mandalorian, there are already kind of, you know, in a sense, uh, rewriting motivation and, 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 and vibe and all of this. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, as I said, I gotta, I gotta withhold any opinions because I haven't gone back and watched them and I do actually want to do that after having that conversation. But I just thought this was funny because in classic, uh, star Wars fan fashion, uh, we got a little bit of feedback. Our buddy chance, um, wrote, 
uh, this trilogy, and he put that in quotes, uh, if you can call it that, <laughs> is an absolute piece of shit, <laughs> and, in, and in no way, in no way comparable to the original. Um, uh, Zach, our buddy Zach, uh, mm-hmm. wrote the ridiculousness of Palpatine coming back and making what should be a simple uh, story much like the first three, uh, into an overly convoluted mess because of character name recognition drove me crazy. It wasn't so much its own story as a mass masturbatory celebration <laughs> to market the names we all know instead yeah. of taking a chance and actually making a good, powerful, simple story. Well, the, um, the funny part there laugh. is that the, the meme is somehow Palpatine has returned because that's in the dialogue. <laughs> no, I know. I know, dude. The soul Some, alone. The word is somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, great. Okay. Pretty All great. Right, great. Anyway, I thought you would uh, appreciate those if nothing else. No, absolutely. Please uh, keep uh, calling in and, uh, and, um, and uh, making sure that we, you know, keep holding us accountable for the, the bullshit yeah. that we say. And that's um, the most feedback we've ever had in our, uh, in our <laughs> 30 plus episode reign. I should have kept my goddamn mouth episodes. shut. <laughs> 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 that's pretty good oh, well, no it's perfect it's perfect um, we have to save, start saying more controversial stuff right exactly well that's that's the thing i forget who it was but i saw some of uh some of our, our mutual friends over the over the holiday uh and uh i think it was uh you guys don't fight enough <laughs> was the feedback <laughs> general feedback yeah. about people our, still I, yeah i forget who that was that said i think it was nick probably that said you guys don't fight enough so um we well, can start I'll fighting sure I don't to, know. uh yeah it's funny because you know here we are in a country divided where everyone <laughs> wants everybody to get along and what do we yeah. give them kelly we give them peace we peace give them and civility army. and what movie, do they want movie they love. want us to throw rocks at each other yeah. um well we'll just have to keep bringing up the star wars stuff because we can definitely argue it's, about that and maybe we'll bring up lord of the rings more often it's the pressure point those, yeah. are, those um, would be our two things well we should talk maybe. about some movies that we've been watching because there's such a long list and we're probably in it so for many. a long episode today but uh, i don't really care i want to i want to rid myself of this excuse me dense 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 note uh in my notes app so that i can start a new one yeah um, yeah so, sure doesn't that feel good uh, feel it, good it's just great when we finish this it's just such a good feeling it just gets it all off my chest so um the one of the oldest things from uh from december that uh, i know we both watched was mank um yeah what did you think we did both watch that i uh i wanted to like it more than i did of course um would be kind of my note. Um, I thought I was very, very interested and I enjoyed kind of technically how it mimicked and um, matched. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Citizen Kane. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, Citizen Kane is one that I don't think I even watched all the way through because it was one mm-hmm. I think that I attempted to watch during film school and, but then didn't right. didn't, it wasn't a, an assigned movie and I think I didn't stick oh, with wow. it. I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't part of any of our curriculum, but um, after watching this, I was like, I, you know, I don't even think I saw the whole thing because certain elements of it don't, don't, don't ring a bell. So, uh, so my, my knowledge is, is limited. That's so, that's so funny because I, you know, I don't mean to sound pretentious here, but I didn't yeah. know that you could go to any film school where they didn't make you watch Citizen Kane. Just, and that's not me I, saying you I should I took every film class, uh, that I could. And it just simply, every film class I took, it seemed like those, those professors were on a, on a, on a tear of like, I'm going to show al- alternative stuff. Right. You know? Right. Right. And oh, I got so you. I got you. It just, you know, we, I mean, it's we, no galaxy quest. And, we both know that. and I <laughs> yeah. actually stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. The for thing sure. is, I, I understand it's one of those movies where obviously 
it's never going to be on like my top 10 list or anything, but I completely, I understand why it's so often hailed as the number one movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And and I get the relevance and I've read about it and studied about it and all these other things. And I think the, all those boxes were kind of checked. Mank, I thought was going, frankly, I thought was going to be more about Citizen Kane and putting that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so much about the writer who didn't get any credit and sort of his political uh, motivations right. or not even motivations, but just entanglements. And also, I mean, I, I knew that uh, Citizen Kane had been at least loosely inspired um, by William Randolph Hearst and how I didn't know the screenwriter had a connection with him, but I knew right. that he had tried to halt the movie and stop it and all these other things. But, you know, Mank didn't really get into any of that stuff. It didn't get into so it didn't really dive into how he tried to halt the movie and how that stopped him from being president and all this other stuff. It definitely did touch on these two men and their relationship a little bit, but it's kind um, of I a was movie about wanting. alcoholism in a way. Like it yeah, honestly it, felt more like a, a yeah, a, a personal story of alcoholism, but I felt whatever. like it didn't go deep on anything Yeah, that it kept teasing like it was going to. And I kept waiting for it to uh, Jess's note was after I kind of talked to her about it. Cause she fell asleep about 30 minutes into that one, one night <laughs> right. and she said, Oh, well I'm glad I didn't stay up for it. So <laughs> once I told her about what it was and that's kind of how I felt, I mean, I'm glad I saw it and I, I just think Fincher's incredible and everything looks there, amazing. That he it does, is an but. interesting story. And uh, obviously we understand why uh, the, Hollywood, you know, elite and the Hollywood, you know, filmmaking uh, community would want to make a movie like this. They make movies about filmmaking and they tend to be the mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. Oscar Beatty stuff. And it, it, but I personally thought it was barely recognizable as a Fincher movie. I mean, he's a Me he's such a competent director. But honestly, if you had told me that uh, uh, 10 other different directors that are also good had made it, I would have been like, yeah, that's fine. Fincher's just so right. specific to me. And, and he has a he has a track record of of uh, doing really artistic work and then doing something very straightforward. In the last couple of weeks, I rewatched Social Network also. And and even Social Network, I'm like, you know, this is inc- it's it's obviously uh, an, it's one of my favorite favorite Fincher movies, but it's yeah. also kind of straightforward. You know, it, it, it does, it's not so, uh, it, if anything, what he plays with the most in, in both of these examples is like just the editing and the timeline of it. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? If you were to tell social network in order, chronological order or this in chronological order, it makes it even more basic. Uh, meaning yeah. visually and stylistically. And so it's like, that's not even so much the filmmaking as the editing. <laughs> well, know? and this is where it's similar. <clears throat> again, this is where it's like Citizen Kane, which is something that, right. that it's basically Citizen Kane is one of those movies that sort of in, employ uses all the techniques that make film film, right? Like mm-hmm. it uses all the, and even created some of the Pioneers, things yeah. that, that change this medium of storytelling from others and, and make it unique. And I get all that, but I kept thinking throughout the movie about Trumbo, Mm-hmm. And how much I preferred that, that as a story. Yeah, 100%. Of sort of I'm with you. And, and, and very stuff. few people saw that, and it was so excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was really, great really good. And, and the other one I'll just bring up real quick, and I, I don't know if you wanted to say anything else about Mank, but another yeah. movie that I watched that is absolutely, if you look at the tomato scores, just horrendous, <laughs> and apparently I'm the only person that enjoyed this movie in the history of film, but I... <laughs> I, I not only liked it, I loved it. I don't know if it was just like the mood when I sat down to watch it or what it was, but I was just jiving with this movie the whole way through. Have you ever seen The Last Tycoon? Uh, 
That rings a bell. It's Robert no, De Niro. It's from it. yeah, 1976 or 77, uh-huh. something like that. And it's basically uh, they, they call him the Boy Wonder. He's a fictional character, but it's basically Irving Thalberg, you know, who oh. we talked about when we did tours at Sony. Cool. Um, yeah. And it's just about that era of filmmaking. So as another mm-hmm. movie about filmmaking. Um, again, this is considered like one of the great flops ever. Uh, really? But Elia Kazan, it's his final movie that he directed, you know, who was a famous, famous director historically and also famous for naming names um, in the House right. of Un-American Activities. Now we're kind of overlapping again with Trumbo. But um, anyway, uh, I really, really loved it. And it just kind of meanders through that world of filmmaking at the time. And maybe this is kind of like we talked about once upon a time in Hollywood. It's like, look, man, sign me up. If it's about sure. movie making in an era of film, I'm probably in anyway. But um, those are two movies, Trumbo and Last Tycoon, that I much preferred uh, to make. Um, and again, yeah. Trumbo, pretty well received. Uh, Last Tycoon, not well received at all. But I, I, I liked both of those better. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm with you on all that. That's a good one. Um, did you watch The Prom? <laughs> I know you must have. <laughs> I did. I did watch The Prom. Uh, Jess and I watched The Prom together. Um, what did you think about The Prom, Kelly? Um, it was a real struggle, man, because the movie ends at an hour, and then another movie happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, kind of true. I hadn't really uh, thought about I, that. That's I true. just like w- Laurie and I watched it because uh, our buddy Chet has a has a little part, speaking part yes. in it, and Chet that was um, the most fun. Did some uh, some jambalaya uh, recently cookouts in his yard, and you know had people come pick up, uh, pay and pick up for you know his jambalaya cookout, and so I saw him a couple of weeks ago. We picked up food from him. Oh, nice! And nice. I was like, yeah, man, I'm excited. This was like right before it came out, and. Um, and so we watched it because Laurie just met Chad and everything. And and um, I just am so not a Ryan Murphy fan. I just think he's kind of a hack. Right. And, um, and yet you watch this and you're just like, wow, look at all the people he got to do this. And So many and great it, people. You know, it's good natured. It's good natured. You know, there's not anything wrong with doing a fun kind of musical about high school or, you know, it, it's all there's a lot of positivity in what it's attempting to do. Um, but also to make this movie and I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's based on a, on a Broadway play called the prom. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's all fair. I'm not taking that away from it, but it, it just, I just thought it was such garbage that, um, (laughs) you you know, especially when we got to that hour mark and we realized, wait a second, this is not an hour and a half movie. Like it should be. This is like a two hour plot, like a two hour 10 or whatever movie. And they have essentially what you think could be the climax of this story halfway through. You realize, okay, that's simply not where it is. There's a lot more to this. Um, and there's a lot more development that needs to happen. So not only did we turn it off at the hour mark and then I went back to it a week later to attempt to watch that second hour I then turned it off at probably another half hour and I I don't (laughs) think I've watched the the end end of it Um, so I just can't well let me just say that I that being said honestly I do think is awesome but other than that I just right whatever well, I do think that your mind would have been blown when the aliens showed up. <laughs> right, that's, always, that's really what makes the that's whole the thing. joke, right? No, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no uh, I I think uh, that the sentiment of the movie was right, and that was about all that was yes, right. Um, yes. There, there's some songs that are enjoyable, like in any musical, but um, it was kind of a hot mess in how it was all put together. I, there was yeah. a scene, I don't know if you made it to, where 
Corden sort of confronts or is confronted by his mother. Oh, I did I in think, the hallway in the school. Very I can emotional and moving this. and very yeah. well done. I, I don't know that it actually fit into the movie. Again, this was right. a thing where there were like pieces that were like, oh, that was good. That was good. But when you put it all together, it just, I just don't know what the vision or what the idea was for the whole thing anyway. Um, yeah. And, and it just kind of, a uh, kind of messy. I mean, again, I, I like the idea of it and the message of it. Yeah. Um, a, a movie that I saw Meryl Streep in that I liked better. I don't know if you've heard about this one, um, but Let Them All Talk. Did you hear about that movie? Did I don't you see think that so. Movie? So it's got Meryl Streep. Lucas Hedges is in it. Um, uh, Jimmy Chan, uh, Candace Bergen. Uh, there, there's a bunch of people in it, but it, it's basically an older writer, uh, and she's written this book, and it's just become kind of the the thing that made her famous, but also kind of the bane of her existence. Uh-huh. And it's a slow-moving movie. It's just it's these older three. She invites her, – her publishing company is waiting for this new book. And right. She's kind of got nothing, but she hasn't told him that. And they put her on this cruise over to England uh, to accept an award, uh, and they're hoping she'll finish the book on the cruise, but she demands that they let her bring these two friends. And what you don't know is, like, they really haven't spoken for years and years, but they were the friends that she had when she wrote that first novel that was so big. Mm -hmm. And she also brings her nephew uh, who's Lucas Hedges' character. But um, one of the publishing, the publishing company basically puts a spy on the boat, uh, and she's sort of, that's Jimmy Chan, and she sort of uses the nephew, and he kind of falls in love with her a little bit. It's a nice, I mean, is it a it's comedy? just an interesting, or... eh, yeah, it's it's a dramedy. I mean, okay. it, it's more about kind of getting older and sort of coming to terms with your life and the mistakes and right. friendships you may have lost. Or Anyway, then there's a whole subplot running through it. One of the friends uh, who, thinks maybe it is maybe it isn't the the book that was such a hit was based on her life and kind of ruined Mm -hmm. her life when people found that out um but that's worth checking out uh, if you want to see something again it's it's not it's not a fast moving one it's kind of a takes its time slow burn but that's kind of a a fun one to see did you watch midnight sky i'm sure you did yeah did you watch it Um, what did you think about that i just thought it was incredibly mediocre uh you know it's very maudlin like it's just so i don't know why you know the i I don't know what if it's based on a book or i you know i'm not i didn't really do any research but i guess the point it feels like it is um but the point there is that clooney um is always a very serviceable if not good actor but he um i just don't think he's a good director i think that he this movie more than almost anything i've seen him do recently and he's directed quite a few movies um it just seems like it almost feels like his first movie again where mm. you're just like this is the work of someone that just really doesn't have a sure hand and doesn't really have a a vision for the individual characters or the visual or for that matter, the individual shots. Like I just felt like everything was so lacking um, and had, and, and and it was almost, and and they say this about movies where the director is acting in it, where they don't have enough hands on behind the camera because they're in front of the camera. Right. And it feels, it feels like that. It feels like the DP was just sitting there going, uh, what should I do? And he pointed the camera and he did it and then they moved on and they didn't get, you know, interesting coverage. They did. It just feel, it feels like that to me. And as far as the story goes, you know, what's, I mean, when we talked about this months ago, when I was like, oh, I hadn't even heard of this. It's like the premise is great. Yeah, Why so isn't this great? You know, um, it, you know, we've seen this idea cast. done better a <laughs> yeah, bunch of times. Sure, yeah. you know what I mean, and and that's like I think the biggest bummer about it. My, I actually watched it. Um, you know, my mom watched this movie. <laughs> I asked her what she thought about it. She said, 
you know, I feel cheated <laughs> at the end. And they went, they go for a big turn. You know, we won't get into the right. details or whatever. Right. They go for a big kind of twist or whatever. And it was fine, but I didn't feel like it in some way. They just hadn't put enough into it for that to have the emotional resonance it right. needed to, you know, it just wasn't earned. It didn't feel earned to me. And um, I don't know. It, it didn't it, it's work. Su- it's it supposed to be. It's supposed to really be a twist that is significant. And right. like you said, uh, it just doesn't earn it. And so when you hear and when you see it, you're just like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, well, the other thing I wanted to say, and I don't, I don't mean to get like, I hate when people get real kind of matter of fact on some of this stuff, but you know, okay. Spoiler alert for anybody who cares and wants to see it and hasn't seen it. Um, at the end, you're down to these two astronauts who are in love. One's pregnant and they're going to mm-hmm. go back and try to, mm-hmm. you know, start mankind over again. There's just two of them, right? So they're going to go and have a couple kids and then humanity will die out anyway. I mean, like to me, ultimately, it was like if they had it had been like interstellar and they had been going with their family, but they also had all these samples of like, you know, eggs or whatever that they could, you know, somehow like start humanity. Try at least even if it's a long shot to jumpstart humanity again, that would be something. It's like saving the, you know, the planet and humanity. But ultimately, even though I, I do think it's worth telling a story about, you know, this is just two people at the end, the last lines are, so it's just us. And it's like, okay, we love each other. We're going to live out. We're going to at least live out our lives yeah. as long as we can. Kind of the same as the other people going back to planet earth, which is dying because they have family there and they'd rather die there. Ultimately it was kind of like, well, none of this really mattered. Right. The guy got to talk to his daughter and then now they're going back and then their kid will die all alone. And that's pretty tragic. And yeah, you know, that was, that was just how I felt about it. I just, anyway, yeah, you're not wrong. Movie, it's, guess, it's, there's but. just, there's just too much that it doesn't do. Uh, it reminded me kind of of when we saw Ad Astra in terms of like, it's what yeah, it tried to do. Well, and then what I liked it, it better it than Ad Astra. To be and honest you know, me. what's funny is I forget who it was that I talked to recently <laughs> and I was saying how I didn't like, it, and they were like, Oh, well, Ad Astra is way better than this. And I wanted to be like, fucking no, it's not. I don't know about that, man. You know what? Ad Astra Astra is such garbage. The most interesting thing about Ad Astra is when I read something and it said, you know, it tracks all the same beats as Apocalypse Now or Heart of Darkness. Right. And it just told in space. And yeah, okay, that's interesting. Like that they're retelling it in a different setting, but I still didn't like it. It was still, of course, it wasn't good. Like I'd rather watch Apocalypse Now. Um, So anyway. Did you watch Ava, the Jessica Chastain uh, movie? On Netflix, yeah. um, I dug it. It's totally forgettable as an action movie. It it, it's in the same vein as the uh, Charlize um, Old Guard Netflix yep. movie. It's just yep. they're ones that are like, okay, that's fun. It's a good premise, and then after you watch it, you're just like, okay, it's gone. I'm glad you said that because I think it's a perfect <clears throat> representation of sort of the Netflix era of movies. It is a uh, Netflix. It was good. It, like Netflix I is it, a and I don't style at this yes, point exactly, and that's exactly. what this is because you know what? these like, are not the only two there's probably 15 more that are identical so many yeah so many and it's it's the it's the um thing where you know this is a sort of subgenre of movie that i think started with like la femme nikita the, right. um the the french film yeah and you look at those and you're like i know this is all it's always going to be a ripoff of something earlier <laughs> right but it's also the bland kind of um surface version of it you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's like one holds it. You watch it again now and you're like, shit, like this is great. No wonder things are springboarding off of this. And the other one is like kind of what we get 
at least more often now. I mean, which think is about like and I like Atomic all the people Blonde in it. was so basic. Same like, I was it's just thinking enjoyable, about that. But as thing. soon as it's done, you're just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. You know, same exact thing. Um, yeah. So that one was interesting. Um, I watched a great documentary. I'm sh- I don't know if I texted you about it, but it's making some press now. The last blockbuster is a hell yes you did text me watch it and we bought it and watched it um or we rented it and watched it yeah great um this was as enjoyable as anything yeah that i watched Um, 100 i I would say like last tycoon there's one more i'm going to talk about and then this one those are the three out of the probably 50 or 60 that i watched in the last week or two you know what i mean that including tv shows um that i really really loved i mean you can't have lived through that era watch this documentary and not feel nostalgia. And it's not because of how brilliantly the docs put together any of that stuff. It's just, we are covering something that I I mean, I got chills a couple of times, man, and also got really sad a couple of times. And I mean, the interviews they have with people that actors, you know, and directors and people who have been, you know, lived through that and talking about how it was such a, it was a piece of our culture. You know what I mean? It was was just something we Mm -hmm. all, at least in American culture, uh, sort of experienced together and how that's really not there. And it's also, it's the thing that's scary to me now. And, and you, we've talked about this about theaters, you know, and what's happened with COVID especially and kind of losing that part of our identity. Yeah. Um, to me anyway, is just really, really sad and tragic as somebody who loves movies. Um, but yeah, who knew? I, I, I would have never been able to tell you that Netflix wasn't directly what killed Blockbuster. Right. I know there are different views on this, but you know, who would have known about these other Well, factors? the advice and is to everyone, go out and rent this on VOD uh, yeah. or buy it. Um, it is um, it is going to tell you the story essentially of what really happened to Blockbuster and how it really wasn't Netflix. And more specifically, it is in some way, shape, or form produced or sponsored by uh, the last Blockbuster. So it's, it's a two... Th- two things in one you get this story of blockbuster and how it all happened and a specific location um i was very cynical before i watched this documentary about that last blockbuster we've talked about it before it's in bend oregon like you said and it um i was cynical about the fact that you know what everyone's capitalizing on nostalgia this is clearly a small company or family that bought the rights to it and because they have no competition they are calling themselves blockbuster and they are capitalizing on this the nostalgia that is not correct this is truly an honest to god blockbuster location that existed during the boom and they are just doing what they can to still stay open and they still have their license from the dish network who bought the rights to the blockbuster franchise name. And And that's the scary part, whether they, right, exactly. And And so the idea that they are still under this corporate overlord, which is dish and that they are not a standalone company that has the rights to blockbuster, that they do not have the rights, that a bigger company has the rights and they are re-signing their contract every year to continue being a franchise of a company that has no locations is (laughs) insane. I, I just I just didn't know any of that. And, and, I mean, and you got to watch. And I don't know if this reminded you of the same stuff, but it really reminded me of when we worked at the Sony Tour Department. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit that manager of Mayor and like this boss that everybody likes and tries to look out for you. You know, it's kind of like a mom to like the group. She's or whatever. just doing her best. But, yeah, but yeah, her talking about how you know we were planning on retiring, but if it comes down to me keeping this you know, stay, you know, up and we can do another year, I'm not doing it yeah. because I don't want to be the person. You know, I mean, it really like. You can laugh at this if you want, but she she has a certain she feels a certain responsibility. Yes. It, you know, it seemed. Wouldn't to, you? I mean, you know, I would hope you would because this is, 
this is a huge deal uh, to well, have dude, that's that the other name, thing that yeah. made me sad. I mean, you and I have talked about like these are sort of dying businesses. But we've talked about how much fun it would be and how it would just kind of be the dream yeah. to own our own theater and be in charge of yeah. the programming. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, or same thing. This similar, blockbuster yeah. hit on the same thing yeah. where it was like, man, if you could run that and that still existed. The other thing I found interesting about it is the fact that that blockbuster location was what I mean, this is just one thing is the king and then it dies right like one thing another king comes out and kills it um but this was a different video store that essentially was absorbed by blockbuster because they could not compete yeah and here they are as blockbuster died because of you know not just netflix but other things uh and they're 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 on their last legs and way back when they were the mom and pop store yeah. that everybody would have hated blockbuster for they'd been like right. oh you corporate assholes and now it's like don't kill blockbuster <laughs> it's, so it's th- wild things obviously change but it's a it's a really cool documentary if you remember anything about walking down those aisles and i'll just say i know we've got we're talking and talking but i remember the first time i walked into blockbuster i don't know if you have that memory in our little town we had a a um a little mom and pop uh shop it was one of those ones you know little strip mall area was on the corner and it was just that guy behind the counter little old guy and it was um box office video cool and that was where we went and i was so excited to go rent movies and the guy was super sweet and my dad was like we're gonna go somewhere different today we're gonna go to blockbuster video it had just opened um and the building still stands in goldsboro it's something else now but i remember going in and just entering the doors and seeing that that room for me at like six or seven or whatever was so massive and (laughs) just walking down these aisles of movies and just more movies than I could ever imagine. And not, you know, this was before they even did the full wall. They talked about this in the, in the doc, but the full wall of new releases and stuff, how they ended up, that really was where they, they kind of put their stamp on everything, but you know, just endless movies and like one of everything. And I, you know, I was determined to go back and forth and go to box office. Cause I, even at that age, I didn't want to abandon my old guy that I like, I can't remember his name anymore. So such a sweet guy. After the first day at Blockbuster, I was such a dick. I, you know, I mean, never went back. Like Blockbuster from that point sure. on, we never switched back. And of course, that guy went out of business. But, but I still remember walking in there the first time, and then obviously all the memories afterwards of you know, with your. Let me ask you this: Do you and, still have your Blockbuster card? You know what? It may be somewhere yeah. at my uh, family's house, my mom's house. I, I I couldn't tell you. Do you? I have I have one. I I had a few over the years because I think for a while. You couldn't use the same card at different locations. You know, you had to have a card for a specific location. And I remember Mm -hmm. getting a new one at some point because I was like, why why do I need a different one? I already have one. They're like, no, you need one for this location. And I think that was when I moved to Florida. But we were we were avid renters at the Blockbuster uh, here in Sherman Oaks. Um, growing up, so well, I, I remember it. I yeah. kept my Blockbuster card and my account mm. active for the longest time. I actually went to Blockbuster a couple times, even here in LA. Right. Um, when I'd first gotten out here, like, and and we had um Netflix. My roommate in college got Netflix back when it was the DVD sure, yeah. um, delivery only at the very beginning, like when it first launched. Uh-huh. He was always kind of on the cusp of that stuff. We had the first DVR box cool. that was ever given out. We had the first. So we had that stuff from the beginning, but I still kept the Blockbuster card. I remember going in college every now and again just to almost like out of, yeah, like a, a loyalty or whatever. Like, oh, okay, I'm still going to sure. rent now and again. And then I got the whole thing where they would mail in. You could take it back and get a video. I did that one for a while. And, you know, to that extent, I also – had my membership at um, a video store named Desire just because I wanted to keep that guy in business on mm-hmm. Santa Monica. So I've always tried to kind of balance it. Now, other than box office video, which sadly I, I let sure. them go by the wayside. Outside of that, I've always tried to kind of support across the board. But anyway, uh, this has been enough rambling from me. But uh, well, but really cool movie, documentary. Guys, yeah. Definitely check it out. It's really, really a fun one to watch. I want to throw a couple of names out and see if you saw these. Uh, did you watch Fat Man? 
No, we did not watch Fat Man. Check, um, check it out. I'm just going to say really quick that uh, it, it's as problematic as he has been over the years. It's always great to see Mel Gibson. I super, I enjoy, I super I enjoy him. Um, and he is just a very good actor. And he, t- he took this and ran with it, um, which is nice to see these older generation of guys. You know, they're in their 60s, whatever, and they're sure. not kind of just phoning it in. He, he really runs with it. Um, it, is a, it is an adult movie about santa claus um it's probably very r-rated i mean it's very r-rated i just would really recommend it 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 doesn't try to be anything huge it's a simple story it's a simple movie it's borderline indie um but uh it's very good um i at the end of it after i had seen it i really loved it um so so I, different from my pitch jingle bell shotgun chills <laughs> but it made you want to watch it even more didn't it yeah to totally <laughs> um i would suggest uh watching it uh and and uh i i i when it was done, I was really thinking, man, this would have been really awesome if it was like Edgar Wright that had directed this because oh, it, oh, it, yeah. it deserved more like the story is better than the direction of the story. I got you. Um, yeah. But I don't know who directed it. But anyways, um, that's you know, a lot I'm, of big time stars. Yeah. That's how it is. If you have these big time stars that are still around and you catch them in their 60s, not just from this era, but from the last two or three. Yeah. You'll get that one other really good performance. that could have been something special. But it's like it's just some director, right? Yeah. And you and you think about it. I mean, you see this with a lot of people, not just Mel now, but people from ten years ago, twenty years right. ago, where it is kind of that thing. Oh, that could have been his one last good role, but it was you know kind of a throwaway in terms of direction. So you know, yeah. tonally, certain elements of Fat Man reminded me of Reindeer, Reindeer Games, which I did watch since the last episode. <laughs> the and, greatest. And I didn't realize how stupid Reindeer Games was. Like the first like half hour of it, I was like, oh, I'm on board. This feels smart. And then by the end of it, I'm, I'm like, so happy. Oh, wait, it's so not a smart movie. This movie was written by a horny 13-year-old. Like, that's the vibe that I got from it. It is so dumb. This is the brilliance of Reindeer Games, man. It it is this thing where you're like, is this something special? Exactly. In that way? And then later you're like, is this something that's fucking idiotic? I don't don't get it, it, man. That's exactly right. I really, for a while, I was like, wow, is this like some hidden masterpiece? Listen, it's not on the same level, but it somewhat touches on the same idea of like what what I love about Vampire's Kiss, where I'm just like, it is a how did this get made? I mean, that's what this movie is and having Affleck and all these things. And and there is like some imagery in that that I'm like, wow, that's really cool. That's almost like Tarantino sort of imagery that you could cut a trailer together. People would be like, oh, I'm watching this. Bunch of Santa Claus is going into a casino. You know, you, it, it's done and you're just like God, this is so what dumb. a nightmare <laughs> and Gary Sinise and Charlize all these people that are great yeah, and I mean yeah, the director yeah. is around um, anyway okay. I'm so happy you watched it man I'm so yeah, happy yeah. no thank you it. for the constant suggestion to watch Reindeer Games I figured at Christmas I gotta watch of course. it um, so uh, there is a there is a big action movie that was released a very subtly a couple of weeks ago called Greenland did you watch it I, I haven't yet. That that's like maybe the one that I didn't get to. So of everything I had. This on my is list. a Gerard this Butler. is on par with like a Hollywood blockbuster summer blockbuster, and it came out in the middle of December on VOD. Obviously, it needed to, but um, it's uh, Gerard Butler, who I don't really give a shit about at all, um, and it's. I mean, it's one of the most enjoyable things I've seen all year. 
Um, oh, wow. Okay. Right on. I don't even understand why, but the writing and the performances are way better than they have any business being in this kind of an action movie. The guy who directed it, you know, did like the, the Olymp- Olympus has fallen, the has fallen stuff with right, Gerard. Right. So like, you know, it's, he's not particularly outstanding and he's not new, but, um, and I, like I cried a lot in this movie. And wow, so okay. that alone doesn't make sense to me. But anyways, highly recommend Greenland. Uh, it's on VOD right now. Um, How does it hold up next to Geostorm? Better? Worse? <laughs> Did we watch Geostorm? No, I'll check it out. Uh, I still have not seen Geostorm. Oh, I'm trying uh, to think if I've, I've seen to. Geostorm. I was looking at it the other day. <laughs> it's, but if it's you a big one like for the, how did this uh, a world-ending disaster movie. Of course I do. And you know uh, I, I guess I'm just talking to the audience. If you like that and you're okay with the, the stupid ones then yeah. you're going to oh, yeah. love this 100%. because it's not I- stupid it's it's on the Ooh. border in terms of the the budget you know it's like on not on, a reindeer games then it's on par with <laughs> m- maybe the smaller budget ones but it it just has it's better than it has any business being um right on okay anyways, can i yeah. ask you why it's called greenland will that spoil anything if it is don't worry about it um but. it doesn't spoil anything but it um I, no, I'm not going to answer that. It's it's not. Okay. It, it cool. doesn't spoil do anything, but it's just kind of. It is what it is. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. So what else uh, there are so many movies that came out right around Christmas, and the two big ones were Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul. Yeah. Um, I assume so you watched both of those. Yeah. Yep. Um, Wonder Woman 1984. I could rant for an hour about. We have to try not to do that. Um, but I really was super underwhelmed with it. I'm bummed with uh the lack of stuff they uh, they gave to Pedro and the lack of I don't know it just they're it's it's an endless list of critiques um I think it's so far inferior to the first one and uh and just really poorly crafted um I just think it's not very well made so what did you think it's nothing I'll ever watch again yeah, this is sure. kind of where this is where like I find myself um sort of um Wondering if I know what I'm talking about at all, because <laughs> sure. uh, because you know we have friend, we have friends like my, our buddy Adam. He'll always kind of talk to me about like you know with a Star Wars, for example, because Star Wars doesn't mean that much to him. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like it's fine, but it just doesn't mean anything to yeah. him really. Yeah. That uh, even if he agrees and he's like, yeah, you know, this wasn't as good as this other one. They're they're still kind of the same to him, mm-hmm. you know. It's like kind of like with us with every Marvel movie, where mm-hmm. like we acknowledge that look, Endgame stuck the landing, and I could tell you the four that I think are really good, yeah. But none of them are that different, right? That's kind of how Wonder Woman felt to me. I I really think the first Wonder Woman was such kind of a perfect. It was that hero's journey thing, that monomyth mm-hmm. thing that I think was really well done. I thought the third act really stro- like devolved, and mm-hmm. that sure. was like yeah. the unimpressive part. Yep. But overall, I thought it was you know much better, and I don't think this had that at all. Right. At the same time. I didn't go into this really, I don't know. I guess I didn't go into this caring that much. Yeah. And because, even though I liked the first one. And because of that, I was just kind of like, okay, 80s nostalgia stuff, stranger things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're, we're in that same kind of realm that I just was sort of like, all right, me and Jess watched it. And we were just like, no, it's fun. That was fine. Yeah. But, but I don't, but I also didn't, I agree. I don't disagree with you on anything you said. It, you know it doesn't I, mean? like, I would me never try to make a. That it wasn't better. It, like you're saying, I just don't have anything invested in it. You know um, what it is? Yeah, I think it's just that I I don't care about Wonder Woman enough. Like I, yeah. I I think with the first one, I was I was trying to get on board also just because like of course like I I, I want to be progressive and I want more stories with the female lead and you know same sure. thing as Black Panther. You know what I mean? Where yeah. I'm like you know I I don't I, I 
I'm rooting for all these things. Honestly, yes. just like uh, what what was the holiday one, best holiday or whatever that came out, where I'm like, oh yeah, I want this to to work because um you know because of what it is. But uh, yeah, ultimately I was just kind of like, all right, yeah, you know, okay, yeah. that's fine. I yeah, it it well now they're of course they're going to do a third one. Hopefully right, they're able right. to take the criticisms and and make. Well, the feedback's bad. I mean, people really hated it's, it. It's um, pretty bad. Yeah, exactly. Although you know what's funny, Jess and I watch Watch Mojo a lot, and like those lists, just when we're bored, we'll just throw on like a Watch Mojo list, like top ten this or that, and they were they were really it was one of the ones that they were really up on and it's the only up review i've seen on it you know <laughs> okay. not that that really means anything but but usually they're a little more they kind of just track with what society thinks they don't usually like right. make like a big stance for something that people don't like but yeah all, all the reviews have kind of been bad and the feedback's been bad and i and again i would not stand up and make any speech no against that i'm just telling you i i didn't i wasn't that invested um uh, no, how about like, soul yeah, another wonder woman what do you guys think um, I liked Soul. This was another one though, where I was just kind of like, I know it's not the same thing, but I kept looking at Jess and being like, you know, Inside Out was does this better, sort of this but better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that's better. what I kept saying. Yeah. I liked the music stuff. And listen, we enjoyed Soul also. In no way am I saying Soul is not good. Right. But uh, but we enjoyed it. And but it was just kind of like, okay, this is one of those Pixar ones that's sort of the second tier for me. I, I, I think just it's been a don't. Version. I don't quite understand why the same director of Inside Out makes this movie. Um, yeah. It, and yeah, when why like the idea? You know, it, th- we we are due for a Pixar movie that like this that spends a lot of time with black characters and obviously has a great musical component. Um, I love the jazz element. I wish that there was a whole movie yeah, devoted too. to me jazz. Too. Oh man. Um, I thought it was in be that. some different way than this does, but, but I, that's exactly the point is that it, it kind of takes you into this, um, you know, philosophical and, and psychological journey, which like I said, is what inside out does. And you know, it's not the same plot, but it's, it's just so close. And it's like, these are his Pete doctors. These are his two movies back to back. And you're just like, really mm-hmm. you, you needed to, um, anyways, but at the same it was time, right for something better, very much right enjoyed it. Better. Very much enjoyed it. Yeah. It just yeah, doesn't, um, I, I thought it's it ended, bad. It ended yeah, very abruptly. Thinking, I don't know. <laughs> it's just some yeah, elements it really that are weird. Did. Like pfft, cut and, right and off. You like end, as if you're missing you scenes, thinking, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. And, and you end thinking, um, you know, that was good. Yeah. I don't know why they made that movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like, you know, that's what you're in. You're like, you, you know, because there's so many that you could have made that were, I don't know. Yeah. More. Um, it, it is what it is, but, uh, but I, I mean, I did enjoy it. it there's, there's really nothing bad about it. It, it is just right. P- Pixar does have a pretty significant amount of m- middle, of the road movies now. And so it's, 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 you know, edging into that territory. It's definitely not a lower tier Pixar, like a good dinosaur right. or a cars Two or whatever, but, um, or brave. Right. But, um, you yeah. know, oh, it's, man. it's, <laughs> those are so bad. <laughs> um, right, anyways, right. um, a couple of things, uh, real quick that I want to throw out that are not necessarily new. Oh, I did watch death to the 2020, which is a mockumentary on Netflix right <laughs> I, now. I, I, um, I did too. It's only like an hour long, and I well. can't say that I can recommend it. It's just, it's like if you absolutely have nothing else to do for an hour, yeah, sure, why not put it on? But it, um, it's the, from the people that made Black Mirror, and it's a mockumentary yeah, about we, the news. We laughed. There was some funny stuff. 
yeah, but a couple it could have like dropped on YouTube also. Ugh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I watched. Um, have you ever seen Pee Wee's Big Holiday? <laughs> uh, no, I have not. Please I've watch it. That, no. Make a note because okay. no one saw this, and Laurie saw it when it came out. It's four years old now. It's not new, but it's a Netflix original Pee Wee movie called Pee Wee's Big Holiday, and it is honest to god, uh, awesome. Um, there's nothing, (laughs) there's not, you know, that element of like, oh, they're rehashing an old thing and it's on Netflix and that's not going to be very good. But like it, it is good. It holds up and I don't know why everyone didn't see it and it wasn't a big, huge thing. Um, I guess it's because it's on Netflix. If it was a theatrical movie, maybe people would have really dug it, but, um, I I highly recommend it. I was like smiling and laughing the whole time. It's so stupid because it's Pee Wee, but at the same time, Paul Rubens is, he looks the same age as the last time we saw him and he is just so witty and likable. And there are some bits in this that are so good and so adult and, uh, just make me smile. I, I love it so much. Right, right, um, anyways, right. Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Um, <laughs> I watched Jingle All the Way again, of course. And uh, and I just want to. <laughs> this is this is something uh, as we end up or end the uh, movie watching category. Um, there is a fun Reddit post of someone who analyzed all of the crimes committed in Jingle All the Way, and uh, basically <laughs> he went through and he he said, "I have an approximate uh, dollar amount and sentence for each of the crimes committed by Arnold and by Sinbad's character." Um, and the <laughs> and there's a list. There's like there's like 15 things that Arnold does that are crimes and then Sinbad another dozen. The difference is what, <laughs> what the, what the actual um, results results are of those crimes. Aren't he says Arnold owes 83 or $8,300, um, you know, from all the fines <laughs> and sentencing. And he'll also have roughly a year of jail time for what, what he does in the movie. Sinbad, however, has $285,000 in fines and a life sentence with no parole for, oh his, my God. for his terrorism <laughs> and should spend an additional 18 years in jail on top of that. Uh, he's lucky. He's also lucky to not get the federal death penalty. <laughs> um, I'm not saying this person sorry. has a whole list of, of analysis uh, of, of the movie. And all of that I'm going to say is that watching that movie 17 million times when it came out and it being one of my favorite like holiday Christmas movies uh, for so many years of my life. Um, Arnold is so terrible. I mean, his character yeah. is so <laughs> terrible, like so unbelievably yeah. <clears throat> terrible in the movie. He's a terrible character. And then you even have the alternate male characters of Sinbad and um, of, uh, of Phil Hartman's character who yeah, are Phil equally Hartman. horrifically terrible. And I mean, there's Phil no Hartman's reason, there's, there's no reason that, that, that men should be, you know, n- not painted this way, but it, but I'm just saying that it, it's mind blowing how bad they are. Um, when you look back <laughs> this movie and you're and like, changing lanes, they share. Were there corn, any good guys in that movie? Was there a good guy in the movie? Right. I don't Was even, there any I even think right. of any, um, and you know, the wife, obviously Rita Wilson has totally one dimensional character, but she is 
at least a good person, <laughs> you know, right? It's right. Like, yeah, an actual three dimensional um, person with anyways, qualities. very, very well, dis- disheartening. <laughs> I'm not saying any of those uh, list of punishments are not accurate. I think they are, but I'll just sure. say very problematic that the white guy's going to go away for one year and the black guy's going to go away for his entire life. Well, I'm just, I'm just that's, saying I that's 100 percent true that it it is a huge bummer. But he also uh, blew <laughs> yeah, up he's, a, he's bad. Yeah, a radio he, station, bad. if you remember. Yeah. Um, while the cops the villain was holding it's, the bomb, so. Right. Um, it's just yeah. the hero is not much better. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, in terms of like the Christmas stuff, because you went back and rewatched that. I uh, did. You know, we, yeah. we rewatched Home Alone 2 and uh, cool. same, yeah. similar, not not like crimes, but just the amount of times <laughs> Kevin would have killed somebody. I mean, two right, really right, right. amps up uh, what one did in terms the of danger. Just the, the, yeah. yeah, the injuries and the danger. Right. Um, I also I had never seen any of the other Santa Claus movies. I'd only seen the first one. And we watched yeah, me the neither. trilogy. This, oh my god! Uh, Christmas, really? so uh, two and three. Um, yeah, I mean nothing that you need to see those other two, but you enjoy the first one, you know, and you're looking for something to watch. Uh, it's it's fine. We did. Um, How did this get made? The podcast for a very nutty Christmas, cool. which is a Christmas movie where a nutcracker comes to life, right? Um, and it is uh, uh, excruciating, <laughs> um, but fun, you know, in that way. Um, Let it snow was a Netflix one that we actually both kind of enjoyed. Um, Interesting. It, it, again, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but in terms of you're just looking next holiday because now we're kind of past yeah. it for some. Something that's just kind of fun and cute. Let it let it snow is good. Um, Lethal Weapon. We went back and redid that one. Um, the other older films that I caught uh, over this break or this time was The Farewell, which I had never seen. Um, which oh I, really? I, that's I great, man. Watch that. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah, it I, I really out. enjoyed. I thought it was very moving, very yes. sweet. Um, you know, just kind of a very true uh, examination. Did Wonderful, you ever see yeah. the movie American Animals? Did you ever see that one? Yes, I've seen it a couple times. Again, I really liked it. That yeah. was one where I thought, you know. This is uh, an, an interesting story, but just kind of an average thing. But I did think kind of the way they made it elevated yeah. it. I, I was, yes. I thought that yes. was a, a good flick, and I it's thought it's practically they did some a really... documentary. It's like an artistic yeah. documentary, and and also keep in mind it was produced maybe the only movie produced by MoviePass. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I, well, I was thinking the whole time I was like, man, if I was a producer, I would um I would give these directors something that I think is a more interesting property because I think they made you know, something yeah. better out right. of something that was okay, but right. I think they made it better. Um, I also went uh, back and watched Call of the Wild, which I had never seen. I love Harrison what? Ford. You, had, I, I love you dogs, just watched so it for the first time? Just got to it. Well, listen, man, Damn, the theaters dog. closed down right after that had been out. I'd missed it. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, and, and also, just didn't want to see that one. She doesn't want to watch anything where dogs are in peril at any point. Um, right. So that makes it a little tough, but uh, I, I really I liked it better than I even should have. Yes. Um, and then Dark I Waters, too. which I don't know if you yeah, watched Dark of course, Waters yeah. when it came out. Um, and very depressing, but yes. I do think it's important to see those kind of movies. I mean, we all know about these sort of the corporate stronghold things have, but I think the more you can educate yourself on that stuff, yeah. maybe you can never change it, but I think the more aware everyone is and the more cynical people are, the better we have a chance at, at ending. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's um, why Ruffalo is ch- champion championing that kind of stuff is just like, right. we got to tell this right. story, you know, um, please watch dark waters if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, that's it for me. I've got one more movie, but I want to save it for Hidden Gems. So, okay, um, I, I have another. Do you have anything else you want to get to TV? No, here I want to. I want to put a button six hours on. In? Yeah, I want to put a button on the movie stuff. We'll talk about TV for a second. Um, is that last year I had an end of the year number of a hundred movies in the theaters, and that was a big Ooh, year, right. 2019. And and you know, I announced that, and I was very, very excited that I had hit a hundred. I think I hit a hundred. You did like, it just in time, Kelly. T- like on December, <laughs> d- December 31st last year, I hit a hundred. This year. Um, I actually did see 27 movies in the theater. 
uh, 22. And, hey, you were on track again. Yeah, I was. 22 of them yeah. I saw before March 14th. So, yes, I was I was doing okay. Um, wow. Because wow. you kind of have to Good thing average. that wasn't your goal this year, though. <laughs> right. You kinda... Can you imagine if you hit 99 <laughs> last year and you were like, 2020 going to be my year? Jesus. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Sorry. And uh, and so I saw 27 in theaters, and I saw and I watched an additional 232 movies at home. So that's my, my year list. Wow. Um, for, for you, 2020 man. um yeah let's move on yeah. to tv um we obviously had the ending of mandalorian which we're not going to really talk about here but go check out our mandalorian uh, mini episode that we released um obviously yes. that was yes. very satisfying to see that come to an end of the season um what else have you been watching um, so as far as television goes, uh, Jess and I binged the entire uh, fourth season of Big Mouth. I don't know if you've watched all of Big no, Mouth or if you're on I board for that. I watched some of the first it, season, but uh, is it yeah. worth sticking we, with it? We still love it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it either works for you if it doesn't, I guess. I mean, I'm sure there are people that don't like it, but uh, we're yeah. just into it. And if you like, you know, one season, I think you'll like all of them. Um, still strong, in my opinion. Um we also uh, watched the I don't I don't know I know you said we don't want to dive into the Mandalorian too deep but we did watch that making of oh yeah I watched um, that too you know hour that's long called Disney Gallery special. making of Mandalorian uh, season two they put up a single one hour episode uh, that was very good yeah and all I'll say about that is man I just the more <laughs> I, I'm not actively trying to make any films anymore but as somebody who like for most of my life that was like what I was thinking about I when I watch those things especially with the LED screens and everything I just can't stop. But getting excited, <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. I got, I got, you got a, Grogu you got a little, is on Zoom Grogu. with us here. Yeah, there um, you go, fantastic. He's a tree topper for and us. He's right not. Now, he's so. not a. Um, he's not a puppet. But you can kind of just shove your arm in there, and you can kind of work his <laughs> arms a little bit, and it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Shove your arms right in there, Kelly. This is good um, radio. <laughs> This is good radio. Yeah. Um. You guys can't see this, but let me tell you, it's something special. Uh, we're enjoying it. Um, but no, every time I watch that, I just I get excited about the possibilities. Uh, that's yeah. all of, yeah, yeah. of what you could do it's, in it, uh, jumping over they those They are just doing everything right. And I think in filmmaking, especially in recent years, with how much technology there is available to people, it just and, – and, and this is even, a, even in something like Endgame, which is like the biggest budget movie and then it made the most money of any movie ever – uh, and you still can watch that movie and you can go, you know what? The technology um, is so overwhelming that they have available to them. And yeah. the CG is so overwhelming. And to think that that is uh, end game is essentially like the gold standard for like technical filmmaking right now, um, or at least the scale yet. Uh, you could still argue that they're just kind of overusing, they're overdoing, they're over. There's just yep. something about it that is uh, almost too Fake. much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this 100%. is not too much. They just simply have better taste, in my opinion. And obviously, you're telling a different yeah, story. I the agree. scope of your story dictates how far you need to go with the technology. But it's just there's something about Mandalorian that uh, they just they just don't do anything wrong. And all of that, the scope does. I- yeah, I don't know how you solve the scope problem. Right, the, right. The scale I, I don't problem. I don't know. Because I do think that still is going to be yeah. you know your issue no matter what. Because right now we're we're two guys walking you know yeah. on the road yeah. and you've got these incredible scenery, but right. you don't have to add an army of a thousand people. Right, so. right. Um, but we'll see how things absolutely. With that kind of um, stuff. So uh, a couple of TV shows real quick. Uh, your Honor is a new show on Showtime. 
um, about a, j- a judge in New Orleans played by uh, Brian Cranston, and I really love it. It's not getting like amazing rave reviews. It's not an instant classic the way that I kind of thought it would be. Um, but the first episode is one of the best pilots of anything I've ever seen, and I think we're on like episode five now. Um, it, right. it 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 holds. It started at a ten, and it's holding at like a seven point five for me. Um, it's okay. very good. It's it's definitely a quality episode. I have a little bit of a problem with a couple of the characters, you know, kind of um, motivations and everything. But but at the same time, it's um, just a very good New Orleans drama about a Brian Cranston character that is probably as close to a Walter White, you know, in terms of what Brian is being given, you know, in terms of this dramatic right. stuff um, that we've seen or probably will see for a while. Um, and so I really, really, I really like it. I would highly recommend it. Um, okay. There are uh, a couple others that I highly recommend. There was a, a four-part uh, uh, documentary series on HBO uh, called Murder on Middle Beach um, that I can't recommend highly enough if you're into true crime stuff that's yeah. out. Um, yeah, watch Murder are. Murder on Middle Beach. Middle Beach is the name of a road, so it's Murder on Middle Beach. Um, and it all takes okay. place in, uh, uh, where is it? Fucking Connecticut or something like that, somewhere in New England. I kind of forget. Okay. I'm blanking on it now. Anyways, the point is um, yeah. it's, it's the story of a murder, an unsolved murder, and the documentary is made entirely by the son of the person who was murdered. And that's the selling point of this, is that it is not a team of people that got the rights to this story and when interviewed. It is a young man, younger than us. He's like maybe 30 now. Um, and it, his mom was murdered 10 years ago. And he has, for 10 years, been making this documentary, a compilation of the story, his take on it and then of course interviews with his family so the fact that he's interviewing his family members about it it's incredibly powerful incredibly interesting um and it's just simply and it still has 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 legs the story it's still an unsolved murder so um just the way he crafted it and you see him grow as a filmmaker too because in the early years you know he's like 20 and so he's like scrappy and trying to figure out what he's doing and now he pretty much has a production company and he's got budget and he's got really good people working for him you know it's incredibly well you know shot and edited and um and recorded so uh anyways i highly recommend that pretty sure that's on hbo but murder on middle beach um and then of course to round out the tv yesterday was a big day man all i did was watch cobra kai (laughs) (laughs) we binged the entire season yeah Uh, me too entire season You know, um, I love, I, I unapologetically love this yes, show. Yes, I do too. <laughs> um, I was a big Karate Kid fan growing up. But you know what this show has done? I leaned into Jess around episode five yeah. and just said, this is the OC with karate. It's 100% like, this is like the OC 100% karate. the tone. It's a, it's, that's exactly it's what we're in. It's a soap opera with karate. <laughs> yep. It's a with teenage teenagers. soap opera and, with karate. Yeah. And you know, there's no real way... To, to do it when you've got something that's so steeped in the 80s yeah. and what the 80s was and kind of I mean as much as that story is like a standard story and like you know is universal for the karate kid right especially the first one as much as that's true the tone and everything else is so steeped in 1984 I mean it is a 1984 movie that montage of you're the best mm-hmm. is you know as 80s as it gets 
And the kind of the grandchild of that is the OC, in yes. my opinion. Like that's kind of the grandchild of of that kind of movie. So, do you remember this? Do you remember in La La Land when she's auditioning for the show that's the OC meets Dangerous Minds? Yes, <laughs> that's yes. kind of funny. Yes. Anyways, go on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's great. No, no, no. Great, great reference. I had forgotten that great yeah. reference. But I was just going to say that um, you know. <laughs> It's amazing because it goes from a moment where it can bring tears to your eyes yeah. to a moment where you are so sort of uncomfortably rolling your eyes at the corniness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's unapologetic yes. at the cheesiness. I don't and know I, how and they I'm, do I'm it. there for it. <laughs> but but they really do take those two things. I don't even know if they balance them, but I don't care. No. Like, it just goes back and forth. And the one thing I will say is that this season in particular, and I know they're building you yeah, know, towards yeah, something. Yeah. I, I was so happy the way this season ended. Yeah. I, I kind of picked up on it around episode seven. I was like, well, here's where we're headed. This is where we're going. Right. It was so great having Allie back. And, you oh, know, my God. Obviously, we're fans of Elizabeth Shue. Big, um, but, big fans. But the, the, the way that these students of Cobra Kai under Crease are full-fledged sociopaths yes. at this point i mean like the, the 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 level they are getting to where it is like wait a minute we're breaking and entering and mm-hmm. we're going to murder people yeah, yeah, like yeah. like this is where we're in totally different the, territory the, the, the separation the stakes, of but. the dojo groups and how it has evolved how each individual character has evolved to be that person for that dojo is so satisfying yes, yes. and it's so silly, but so good at the same time. It, it is such a self-aware show. We've said that from the beginning, they know what they're doing. And the yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, just as perfect. real quick, the Elizabeth shoe episodes, or I think she's in, she oh, uh, comes in and one and then continues into the next one or whatever. Yeah. Um, she's a goddamn treasure. I just, I, I can't, so great. I can't even shoot, imagine shoot. her. Yeah. I can't even imagine her part in this of reprising her role being any better. Like it, yeah, I, you know yeah. It, when they uh, when they teased it in the last season that um, that he that Johnny got a Facebook message or a friend request from Allie and it was just a tease. I bet they didn't even have her on board yet, um, or that, sure or they, they were maybe talking to her. But but the idea of how it all came to fruition that they wrote her back in and that she is a character and that she has a real backstory and that it 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 feels organic and it feels good. Um, I don't even know how you do it this well. And and in my head, I'm going, you know what? I wonder if they even really wrote it or how much of this is Elizabeth Shue because Elizabeth Shue seems right. to have such a right. good head on her shoulders. Everything that she does is so good and calculated. I mean, see Hamlet too, obviously. Like that's the most yeah. self-aware. Yeah. She plays herself in that movie. <laughs> like that's the craziest thing ever. She is so fantastic. What my note says is it's as if the writers didn't write her dialogue, but they went to her and said, what do you think she should be doing in her life? And how would you want to express that? And she showed up on the day and just said a bunch of shit. And then they went, that's perfect. Let's, (laughs) let's move on. Like, that's how it feels to me. It's true. She's so It felt real. It didn't feel like dialogue. It didn't feel like dialogue. It felt 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 like Elizabeth Shue playing. A, a, a woman who played Allie in a movie and she's mm-hmm. trying to inject mm-hmm. herself back into the story in, in a real way where people will like still like her and, and it won't even matter if she ever comes back. Like if she's a continuous character and I just, I can't yeah. e- even understand how they did that. And so I, I, that's kind of my favorite part of the season, but, uh, but like you said, it the- ended so well and uh, it's just great. It's great. 
There's so many things I want to say, and I mean, we shouldn't go on and on just because this one's going <laughs> to be But it's Cobra anyway, Kai. But, <laughs> but yeah, but it's like, you know, th- there's just, th- you know, I loved them going back to Okinawa. I was a big fan oh my God, of yeah. Karate Kid 2 and that whole segment yep. and how they tied it in so perfectly with his dealership oh, and needing nailed that. nailed it. You know, where it didn't feel forced, where normally it would. I was like, it where are they going to go? And they that. nail it. Yeah. Nail it. It should feel so much more forced. And having that guy kind of, that old enemy uh-huh. come back in. They also, they show their hands so well in so many things. Like, you, they telegraph that it's coming and it doesn't matter. But on this one, I particularly laughed at the spaghetti, how they were just <laughs> showing that the spaghetti was going to get smashed on Johnny yeah. because that's what happened to Daniel before. And then and then them not having it pull that rug out from under you. There, there's just so many little moments like that that are perfect. Um, how did you feel? I will ask you this. How did you feel about the crease Vietnam stuff? Like cutting back to that in a show that's this kind of tone, I, cutting to I, the Vietnam I, stuff. Uh, I um, appreciate what they were going for. They obviously are a small budget, small show that attempted something much larger and and what i appreciate about it is that you you have to assume that once you start down this road they're in to the third season now of this show that you have to give us backstory you have to give us more backstory you have to give us more motivation and a show like this or a show like the oc for that matter um uh, you know, there's a reason that the OC went off the rail in the fourth season. It was because it went and introduced lots of new characters. You have Summer's right. character right. and all these people. Or uh, was it Summer? The, there's the new character in the in the in, uh, not, maybe not Summer. Um, the in the fourth season. It's been a while. God, I forget her name. Anyways, you know Seth's new love interest in the fourth season. Anyways, the point is, right. you introduce new characters and you give them backstory, and you're like. Okay, I, I sort of get it. You know, you you gotta liven it up a bit. What this show is doing is it's not heavy on introducing new characters. It's giving us the old character. I mean, like at any point they could be introducing new characters. We're three yeah. seasons in, yeah. and they kind of don't. They introduce these kids, and they slowly maybe develop them, but they are. A hundred percent on board with developing the characters from the original movie, and at this point now two movies, we get yeah. Yeah. old characters reintroduced. We give us they give us lots of backstory. So the idea of Crease having more backstory and more motivation and more stuff to do. Well, I love as that. the kid who had the Karate Kid trilogy box set, I will tell you we have actually del- delved into all three movies uh, because. That friend who says whatever you need, Crease in Vietnam. Oh, really? That is the guy. I was telling Justice, I was freaking out like a, just a full fledged nerd. I was like, this is the guy who finances Crease <laughs> to get back in Karate Kid Three and brings oh. in the national champion of karate, the American. I don't know if that's even a thing to come to the valley and kick the shit out of Daniel because so, he's yeah. basically trying okay. to bring his friend back up from Nam and like he's got to destroy I Daniel see. to give him his mojo back or whatever. And it, and it, and this is also where. Like I was just talking about in the first two seasons, these kids go a little off the rails. I think the school fight is where you really realize it's gone off the rails. And I love, by the way, the parents right. being like, I don't understand what this damn karate bully groups running around in the valley is even about. This is, you know, and I love that they're aware of that. And they make comments <laughs> about that, how stupid it is. But also, sure. like, the way they are now so dark. If you watch the third Karate Kid movie, it is the worst Karate Kid movie. Well, other than the next Karate Kid. I've never seen it. I've seen the second Listen, one once and I barely remember it. But yeah. It's dark and it's cheesy. The second yeah. one is good. Like if you like the first one, the second one holds yeah, up. Yeah. Third one is it gets into a territory where it's actually uncomfortable how oh. bad the adults are to kids. Like it gets oh, into wow. real abuse territory. Jesus. I mean, they have Daniel doing stuff that is injuring him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're psychologically 
really fucking with him. I mean, it's Damn. dark and, and yeah, and there, and, and it's, it gets scary. It gets uncomfortable because we watched some scenes from it last night and it's like, it is not comfortable. Whereas the first one, it's like these bullies are after Daniel mm-hmm. and that's terrible. And I'm not trying to make light of bullying, but that's something we're all aware of. Sure. And it's kind of told on a high school scale, yeah. not a scale of like, Oh my God, these kids are in danger for their lives. And when we went to the new Bev and we listened to, um, uh, Zapka talk about how, you know, he's like, when I was going for that kick to kick Daniel, he's like, I was going to kill him. Like mm-hmm. in that moment that blew my mind because I, one, I don't think that translates on screen. I think it's no, like they're, they're no. kicking the crap out of him and they're sure. going to beat him up. But in no way do you ever think Daniel is in danger for his life. You just don't want him to get the shit kicked out of him again, right. you know, and walk in limping. So knowing that that was the motivation maybe the first karate kid just missed on the, the heights it goes to. Cause let's be real. You know, you watch boys in or boys in the hood and you're like, okay, these karate gangs are not scary anymore. Like I remember yeah. that was a very, very specific right. thing where I was kind of like, Oh, in private school land where I grew up, it's not as, <laughs> it's not as terrible as being in the hood. So, but this one gets into the level of where I think it matches karate kid three, that tone okay, where yeah. it really is like, it seems like lives are on the line now. It's like, wait a minute, are they going to kill this kid? Well, they start like, to incorporate the police and restraining yes, orders exactly. and city council meeting. And is. you're like, okay, yeah, this is clearly the direction that we're headed. And, so that's my point. Yeah. Season three has hit on that tone. And yeah. also the fact, I don't think it's a mistake. Maybe it's just a happy coincidence that they bring in that character, even though they don't name him, mm. they bring in that character that right. is Kreese's friend. Right. And I do think it can get a little convoluted. At a certain point, you give so much backstory. I don't really want to feel sympathy for somebody like Kreese, who is such a such a terrible villain. I mean, if you just told me, hey, look, his mom killed himself and he went to Vietnam and, you know, his wife died, you know, I would understand the dark path he goes down. I don't really need to feel sympathy for him. I just need to know he made the wrong decisions and now he's an agent of evil because he really comes off as just the devil in a lot of these things. He's Palpatine-ish in (laughs) some of this stuff. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention is we were talking about OC and you brought up uh, Seth. We basically have the Seth character in this. It's the kid with the broken arm. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> he's, essentially he's even good. have that. I this like is him, the yeah. OC with karate. Uh, <laughs> and also, since we mentioned Last block- Blockbuster earlier, I just wanted to say Adam Brody is one of the people who was interviewed in Last Blockbuster, that documentary. Yeah, in a, in a less, in a less than awesome uh, uh you know, shot, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, interview, yeah. he, you yeah. know, the, Small the last blockbuster is very scrappy and, uh, you know, but it, it is, um, it is interesting to see him. There's a lot of actors and, uh, and personalities and like Doug Benson's in it a bit and um, right. some, right. some fun people are, are in that movie. Um, right. so, uh, yeah, absolutely. But to, to wrap up on Cobra Kai though, I, unless you've got more stuff, no, I just, no. you know, this season was everything I wanted it to be like yeah. the other ones have been. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just ends on a gut punch and, I feel like it's all building to season four. I don't know how long they'll go on with this. Um, I don't think you can forever, and I would rather yeah. them have a definitive ending. I'm okay with like for, one more season. I think they could, yeah, they could wrap too. it up nicely. Yeah. I think that would be a great ending to it this fourth season. We'll see. Maybe they'll want to keep going. But I will right. just say it is – we talked about Mel Gibson being – you know, these older actors being in their 60s. Yeah. These actors – I mean, look, man, uh, Ralph Macchio – he is, is he 60? He's 59, 60, yeah. 61. I mean, he looks 25, but he's, they are I think playing he's 60, yeah. 45 year olds right. and it works and it's right. completely believable and they don't seem any older. And when you look up their ages, I mean, he's four years older or five Ralph years Macchio older. Ralph Macchio is 59. 59. Yeah. So yeah. he's basically 60. The other, uh, uh, 55 for, um, Zabka, uh, Zabka is, I believe. I'll tell you right now, 55. 
Yeah, so yeah, four years younger. Definitely these, playing these dudes, ten years, at least ten years younger than their actual ages. And yeah. you know they're doing karate. And, and look, <laughs> listen, it's not what, it's what not about incredible, uh, or, uh, but it's at least believable. Yeah, he's got it. That's what I'm, that's my point. He's got to be like eighty years old. Uh, uh, and I know Harrison Ford's coming back for Indy, and I make fun of that, but. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just this thing where it's like, it's incredible these guys are in this good a condition and look as young as they do, because they're playing the older guys, but it's kind of like, it's like when you look at Lethal Weapon 4 and you're like, Danny Glover was old in the first one of these, what does he do? You know what I mean? It's like merging those together, and they play it so believable as like, guys who are old, but 15 years younger than they actually are, and I just think it's impressive, like, they both should be like, applauded for playing... This, in all, for all intents and purposes, this series should have been made 15, 20 years ago. Right. If it was actually right. set in the correct timeline. Well. And I just, they're pulling it off. It's, it makes it's it that much more impressive. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. So I want to throw out a correction really quick from the last episode. I did like my top Christmas movies. We both did, you know. And uh, yes. There's yes. one in there that I forgot that it. Do tell. It will bump out whatever else was up there. Um, it's not number one, but I would say it's in my top five, top maybe like three or four. Um, mm-hmm. The Family Man. I love it so much, and it's just, it's perfect, yeah. I thought about that after you finished. I saw it when we were scrolling around, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, Kelly didn't mention The Family, no, family it, Man. No, as soon as we got done last time, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta do an edit. And yeah, no, how much that. you love that one. Um, let me just mention, before we talk about some news and move on, uh, hopefully to the end soon, uh, we, um, uh, oh, God, I lost it. Where I moved it. Okay, so um, we are... Um, Blah, 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 blah. I I listened to a book. Lori and I drove cross country. We obviously had a lot of uh, time in the car, um, and we listened to Ready Player Two, which is the sequel to Ready Player One. And oh, it just it, yeah, it just came out in November, um, and I was very excited for that. It came out a few weeks ago, um, and so I actually I bought it, and then I was like, you know what? No, this is perfect for the drive. Um, yeah, and so I yeah. waited until the drive to do it. Laurie had read the the first book also. So um highly recommend that if you've listened or, or read Ready Player One, read Ready Player Two. It is already in development as a movie at Warner Brothers. I don't no, know what that means, not. whether Ernest Klein <laughs> is going to write it again or whether Spielberg will come back or whether it'll yeah. be the same cast. You have to assume they're going to try to get the original cast. The cast is right. fine. There's really nothing wrong with the cast. It's really about how they adapt to the story and who is in charge of it. I would be fine if it wasn't Spielberg, and I would be fine if someone else adapted it because there's yeah, also a part of me movie. that goes – Ernest Klein, the writer of the book, adapted the last one, and I just don't like what he did. So maybe mm-hmm. someone else needs a chance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, anyway, so Ready Player Two. Well, okay. Last last yeah, two things yeah. for me. Um, and I know this is a little late now, but maybe for next holiday season, or if you're still in the holiday <laughs> mood, uh, you know, the the movies that made us was a series on Netflix. Oh, some yeah, of them great. are fun. Some of them, you know, you take it or leave it. But they did the holiday movies that made us, and they did two of them this year. And I watched both Elf. of those. That's great. Yeah, yeah, Nightmare. And then those were fun. You know, just kind of put me in that mood. The other thing, since you mentioned listening to stuff, I, I've already mentioned this podcast before, but I just want to mention it again. Um, you must remember this. Mm-hmm. Is if you are into movies or film history or Hollywood or anything like that, is an incredible uh, uh, podcast series. And they they I just listened to a series. Um, they cover all of them are like ten or twelve episodes long of different subjects for the most part. There are some one offs, and they just I just plowed through from a couple of years ago the um, Charles Manson. 
um, oh. stretch. They did 12 episodes on Charles Manson. And since we both love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and that's yeah. such a, you know. To hear a, a the real story. story. Yeah. And that's true good. crime. We've talked about true crime right. a little bit. Worth check. Even if you don't want to listen to the whole series or check it out, if anybody's interested in that at all or Charles Manson, it's a really great, great uh, podcast uh, series, mini series sure. on Charles Manson. Uh, just go to You Must Remember This and, and find that particular series. I think it's around episode 50 or so. She just launches into 12 episodes. Really, really good. So check it out. Nice. That is very good. Um, yeah. Podcasts are tough nowadays because I'm not driving anywhere. So, like, I have to. The, my only right, times I right. listen to podcasts are like in the shower, I put it on. And then mm. um, I guess if I'm driving to the store for five minutes um, <laughs> and if I'm hiking. So I need to just get back to being outside more. But um, yeah, that's uh, you're that's right. Those are the times. I mean, I just going to work this entire time through this whole stretch. I'm just still plowing through podcast. I've done more podcasts. Even a 30 minute drive, though. I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense. But uh, right, it's hard right. when you don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, for so sure. for what sure. did you think of the Tom Cruise rant about covid precautions on his set of <laughs> Mission Impossible 7? I've gone back and forth a lot, man, because early on I was like, if you're ever going to rant, it's, I've always been kind of, I don't want to get yelled at. I feel bad for everybody. I don't think, I think some people have so much power. Some don't, I don't want to be like in favor of the person with power who can just abuse the other person. But I also think, right. you know, on set when people are putting so much of themselves into it and I know how people, you know, this is their passion and, and they're working sometimes 16 hours. We know how hard it is on, on a set just from observing, if not being there. Um, yeah. I always kind of defended Christian Bale. I was like, you know, this isn't okay. This isn't right. But at the same time, it's not an unforgivable sin. And especially if he's in character and he's method. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. where these guys go to mentally for that kind of right. emotional state. With Tom, initially, because of COVID and everything, I was even more like, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's look. This is something, if you're fucking around, like, and, you know, he was talking about, you know, I'm on the phone. People putting in so much money and all this other stuff. So at first I was just kind of like gung ho, like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, you know, those guys, hopefully there won't be any other problems. I know it was kind of abusive, but yeah, if there was ever a time to really crack the whip and, and just talk to these kids, guys like kindergartners, this was the time, you know, then I started reading other stuff and you know what I mean? Like the Scientology once, stuff. Once you start hearing from Mike Rinder show. and Leah Remini, the stars of the show yes, and Leah how they're like, the he's an abusive person. This is not an indication of him finally getting upset with the COVID situation. This is him being an asshole that he's always. Yeah. And yeah. so it's tough because I'm very much on the side of Leah Remini and her show and what she's trying to do in, in outing Scientologists um, for, for their uh, issues. Um, obviously, we love watching Tom Cruise movies, but this it just seems more and more problematic. And obviously, the majority of Hollywood... And people that even that know Tom Cruise were pretty quick to support it. They were they were like, yeah, right. you know, fucking. Right. And most people in George the film Clooney industry, most people um, uh, that uh, that uh, I follow or are friends with on Facebook, people that are on set quite a bit more than me, were very much like, yeah, on board, man. You know, we're not fucking around. There is a difference, though. It, you know, just because you would agree with it, and you might have even done the same thing in that situation, considering everything, it it it's not quite the same. So His history makes it more problematic. Exactly, all the questions that are raised, and uh, we talk about this a lot. We we separate ourselves from. 
you either have to separate yourself or you'll just throw the person out completely. Right. But, you know, we love Tom Cruise movies. We love how he will literally kill himself. For <laughs> put, a movie put himself no one else on the will. line. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you can love an aspect of a person and yes. still understand that you're not fully supportive of that person. I mean, th- this is the same with me and a guy like Michael Jordan and athletes where I know right. people have been abusive to teammates. And I, what I'm admiring is just their commitment and their passion to yeah. something that I get joy out of. And it's this not, is an example of his passion, though. And so, you know, he's not going to yell uh, out of nothing. It's it comes from a place of passion, and he's he's very very focused. Um, that's all good. Uh, it just it is it is a little bit of an issue. Um, I don't know. That's all we need to say about that. But it, it's yeah. just it's yeah. interesting. If you haven't heard it, I mean, listen to it. He's you know he he definitely is uh, abusive in how he. Uh, how he calls these people out um and it it is it's not a quick rant you know it's one thing to yell yeah. at someone to try to fix fix an error it's another to make a big spectacle and this is more of a spectacle than than probably it needed to be not to mention and that the there's way- there's People that say that this is, I mean, this is a rumor, but that it was leaked on purpose, that this is a deliberate tactic. I don't know. I don't know. Well, in the way he kept reemphasizing the same things, uh, that's the part where you you read the Leo Remini stuff, and I've read a couple articles now on it. They start to kind of hone in on, the, in on that, and it makes you more aware that he is the guy, like you're the parent that states the thing and yells at you and then moves on or keeps yeah. an eye on you versus the one who ha- tells you five times in front of everybody. It's very di- – it's two and, different and, and things, that, yeah. Yeah, that would kind of point towards the fact that what they're saying is true, where mm-hmm. like this is a person who – gets lost in that and can't get out of that kind yeah. of abusive thing uh, on a much lighter note, uh, you know, yeah. in, in a year that's been tough and there haven't been as many movies as we want as movie fans. I did for a minute, I, even though the rant is much more important. I was like, Oh, Hey, they're still shooting mission impossible seven and eight. <laughs> yes, Exciting. Yes. Like, Cause I really want to, I really want to see them. Well, I know that's a small quick tie in. So I mentioned it at the beginning. Laurie hadn't seen all of the mission impossible. She wasn't yeah. exactly sure which one she had seen. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's start watching them. Let, you know? And so on Chris or on, uh, New Year's Eve the other day we watched uh, one two and three back to back to back and mm-hmm. I hadn't done that ever but I also hadn't had seen two or three in so long and so <laughs> um, JJ Abrams I was excited to watch two because I was just like I remember really loving this as a kid oh I did you too. know as, as a, um, what, the and I was. it's fun but it's by far the worst one by yeah, far um, but I uh, really enjoyed you know one is is so De Palma and and kind of dark and but also timeless you know it's a 90s movie that doesn't feel like a 90s movie with the yeah. exception of like the computers in it it's really just a good all around timeless you know action kind of thriller and then yeah, you, you have could two which is insane wh- one, well, yeah. one is, you could argue is the best one. You could argue one is the best Mission you, Impossible you movie. Could, yeah. It's yeah, also yeah. my least favorite. Like, I, and and I'm not, That's and fair. I'm just. This is totally just my sentimentality. I mean, I, mm-hmm. of course, it's got the classic, the best impossible sequence, right? Like, I would put four on the outside <laughs> of the building with that, just because of kind of the the nature of what that was. But it's got the iconic sequence, the sort of breaking into the CIA thing. But right. I just. Um, it's not it's not the kind of story and even tone that I enjoy as much as like as even a two right like right. I'm I'm on board for the I super spy unstoppable mission guy you know what I mean and also even though Mission Impossible two again acknowledged is the worst one right it's the John yeah. Woo over the top everything and it's so two thousand and all this other stuff the story is also Hitchcock's Notorious which is considered one mm. of the great spy stories of all time now I realize that's just the 
the foundation for it, yeah. right? The grounding and then everything else. But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get you off. Jumping no, no, to, it's, jumping it's, at three. Continue with your. It's all good. Your, so uh, I guess what I what I am left with is that one felt like one and two felt like two, and I was kind of that didn't really do you know uh, give me anything new. But rewatching three, which I hadn't seen in a very very long time, and when it yes. came out, it was a big deal because oh, yeah. four, five, and six hadn't happened, and so right. it was this concept of wow, they are really redoing this. Yeah, that bridge sequence. This yeah. is starting a whole new style. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I just I love three, and it doesn't yeah. have as it's high fun. of reviews as some of the other ones, but it it just simply is so awesome and of all the jj abrams movies we talk about a lot of jj movies obviously you have some star wars ones you have some star trek ones and you have um things like super eight where you can really pick these apart uh, meaning later 10 years goes by you go super eight doesn't hold up or you go 10 years later force awakens maybe or 2009 star trek eh, yeah sorry but into darkness definitely not you know he's not a a full-time great director and storyteller yep i think he fucking kills mission impossible 3 i just think it's one of the most competent jj things he's ever done i don't know why that is yeah but um there's something about his first feature too it's his first picture well there you go it was was only tv this is what gave him his start for me it's so good um and uh, listen i i agree yeah. on all counts i'd love to disagree for our ratings uh because our fans <laughs> want us to fight but um sure, but i sure, agree sure. on all counts and you know uh, the, the problems with mission impossible are not even problems the, the what mission impossible 3 is is the same thing that that makes so many of jj abrams stuff a problem yeah. is the lack of substance like his stuff just keeps oh, moving yeah. and it's all the perfect substance stuff it's everything you'd want for like what you're looking when you at have philip seymour hoffman the best villain in mission impossible oh, history who, i who, who are you I can't. Then I'm going to kill I can't, her I right in front of you. Uh, yeah. Even, even you, Lori was just if, glued to it. She was just like, listen, oh, my God, this guy. <laughs> the trailer. It's got the best villain of the series. One the of the best trailer trailers. The trailer was series, literally yeah. just him telling Ethan, you know, right. I'm going to I'm gonna find out who you are. I'm going to kill. I'm going to hurt gonna whoever her. you like. And it had so much intensity to it. And oh then it was just God. a couple <laughs> clips. That was all they needed. You, cut you know, when, that? They, when they filmed that scene, they were to like, the well, we've got burning. our trailer. Ugh, it's just. Yes. Unbelievable. So, but but I was going to say, like, Mission Impossible 3 succeeds where the other J.J. Abrams stuff doesn't. Not because it does anything different. It's just, you know, sometimes you can have the same recipe and it just like the same stuff you're putting in the soup and it just doesn't maybe overcook mm-hmm. it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like them sort of saying we're going to deal with a MacGuffin. We're never going to go into why. And yeah. it's really going to be about this guy. We don't even see him loves. take it. We they, they don't even show, show you the scene yeah. of him taking yeah. the thing. It's so, so satisfying. Did you think about like, yeah, that when he gets sucked out the window with the uh, yes, with the yes. parachute after <laughs> yeah, we just talked parachute. about that? So um, yeah, it, it's super fun. It got back to the team. Okay, so what's interesting about Mission Impossible the series? Um, and I'll try to keep this brief. I, yeah, I think yeah. Mission Impossible has done James Bond so much better than James Bond. I still love yeah, James Bond, we've said that, but yeah. I think this era of especially the last three with with uh, yep. with Tom Cruise, yep. but um, because they've really figured out who they are and they do it so much fun. It's got just enough realism and just enough you know ridiculousness where it doesn't bog you down. But um, the first three to me stand like a trilogy of we're going to bring in a different director with a different tone mm-hmm. on every single one. The only through yeah. line is going to be Tom Cruise and you know, he's the central figure and everything. Yeah. So those feel like one set of trilogy. And then it's almost a different series for four, five, six to me feel like kind of like the Bourne movies. Like they could sort of be the same director. I know they're not all the same director. It's two different directors, sure. but they feel they the same. Feel, the tone is the same. Yeah, the same yeah. Clearly they're created the same way. And even though Tom Cruise is at the center of it, they are team movies. The first mission yeah. impossible movie 
the whole point of it was it comes from a TV show where it was a team. Well, that team all gets killed at the beginning, right? And the hero yeah. of the show is actually ends up being the villain. He's betrayed all of them. So it really launches Tom Cruise. He kind of, I mean, I guess he picks up his own scragglers as a team. Two is the most James Bond of any of them. I mean, whatever you want to oh, say about big, two, that's the time. movie where it's yeah. just a single agent. He has a team. Mm-hmm. They don't matter at all. <laughs> like it's just Tom Cruise kicking the shit out of everybody and riding motorcycles in an awesome way and all that stuff. Three kind of brings the team back. But again, it's about him and his wife, and they kind of have to go rogue to try to help him. And, some and then four, five, six are really just team movies. Transitions in the third right. one to be very vulnerable, but and I, but then I also he's less vulnerable in the, in the next. Three. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But then I also think that three is you have to have three to look at four, five, six because his wife, you know, yeah, the, right. the woman he's getting with, is such a part of it, and yeah. that's really the connective tissue of all of them because you can't have the first two without the third one, like that's the one where he's kind of retired and he's coming back. You need the first two for three to really stand on its Mm -hmm. own. But then you also need three for the next three, because, you know, again, that that's kind of the one that it stands kind of as a piece of both series. That's really the one. So it's important. It's an important one for you. They just, they just keep making better and better decisions with how this franchise is going. So starting with three, I just think it's an upward, upward uh, thing. So I'm excited. We only watched those three and now we're going to eventually get to these next three Uh, so that, because she, she's seen, I think one out of these three. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's seen those protocol, but we'll, we'll watch them. Um, so I'm going to rattle off some quick news tidbits. Uh, nothing we really need to talk about. I just want to throw some things at the wall. One thing that was interesting that happened back in, uh, I think, November was at the Arecibo Observatory, which is a radio telescope down in uh, Puerto Rico, um, collapsed. And it was yeah, they, they knew that night. it was going to collapse. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to mention it because it essentially is very old. It was built in 1963, and it was the scene of the climax uh, of GoldenEye. Um, Never forget the big it. Contact giant. was in contact. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, uh, as well. And so it's a radio telescope, and and it just was falling into disrepair. So it and they had cameras collapsed. on it when it collapses. So it's really they knew it was going to collapse. I don't think they knew exactly what day, but they were rolling, and they had a drone in the air and all this stuff, and it started <sighs> oh, to collapse. So it's very cool to see. But right around that time that it um, that it collapsed, I posted because my grandpa went there. He was a radio engineer. I, I don't oh, know his story nice. very much, but my grandpa who passed. Uh, a few years ago, um, we got together all his photos and I scanned all his photos from him visiting Arecibo in 1968, maybe. And so I posted that on, on, on Reddit and all the forums where scientists were getting to get together and basically having a, a, a memorial for this telescope. You know, they're basically <laughs> saying, right. oh, this is a bummer. This is one of our favorite, you know, scientific places on Earth. And so I posted all these pictures and, and they were very appreciative uh, because not many people probably have photos going back that far um, right. to That's awesome, you know, man. just a few years uh, after it was built. Um, Wayne's World uh, did a Reunited Apart episode. Did you watch that? <laughs> I did not see that one. Please no. watch that. It's great. Okay. They get cool, absolutely cool. everybody you can possibly think of uh, to come awesome. back uh, for that. And it's uh, of I've watched a few of those reunited aparts with Josh Gad and even uh, even more than back to the future this one was great like it, there's something about cool. this one cool. in particular that it's better um so I would check it out 
Um, the one of the big news things is that Warner Brothers is planning on releasing all of their movies this year on HBO Max. That what includes a controversial thing Dune. That includes um, the uh, 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 Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Um, and so we'll see if that really happens. But what an insane! Some thing. directors are very upset. Yeah, um, we'll see how that plays out. Whether they get away with it or not. But um, I mean, a lot of people are very excited about that because they're like, "Yeah, yeah I just want to stay at home and watch them." I personally, well, Nolan was one of the notable ones that really came to the defense of some directors and we're like look you told them they were doing one thing now you're yeah. doing another but then you know the other side of it and I, and I I'm not taking either side I think this is just such a crazy time you know there's a lot of people who invested a lot of money who are just waiting and waiting and waiting right and, right. You know, and I realize most of those and people have a lot of money, see, but that's no yeah. joke that, you know, right. when you put in money, you, you need some kind of release and return. Right. So anyway. And to move on. Um, we kind of have to adapt and then move on. Um, right. Plenty of time to make more movies later, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, the Emmys added an award for stunts. I think that's pretty cool. That's um, awesome. They should have had that at the Oscars and Emmys forever. I mean, that's n- more important than a lot of. Do you know? Yeah. That, I mean, obviously, that's a huge uh, missed um, uh, kind of thing in, in the entertainment business. So we'll see if, uh, they, they do that in other, uh, uh, things. Um, Nick Cage is reportedly returning for the national treasure TV show. I think that's pretty cool. What? Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, fine. that's recently that. reported. So we'll see. No. Um, did you get to, uh, how to with John Wilson at all? Did you watch any of that? No. Um, please watch that on HBO. It was one of my favorite things this year, and uh, it got renewed for season two. So that's wonderful. Um, the a couple of deaths, the original Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, uh, the guy who yeah. was in that costume for the first time we saw Boba Fett in um, in Empire. Um, and, you know, I, this is just a weird coincidence, but so close to them bringing Boba back into the right. series. Weird, right? That it's <laughs> yeah. really strange, the timing yeah. of that. Um just really strange. I don't know. Yeah. Great physical um, performance, though. I mean, you yeah. go back and look at that stuff. It seems simple, but like head turns and things are head very turns. important. Head turns. That's turn. really what it but, is. Yeah. Truly are very important the, when you're the in a Boba mass. head I mean, turn is very significant yeah. and recognizable. It's yeah, good. good um, so. uh, Scotty uh, James Dewins, his ashes are currently up on the space station. Um, I, I didn't even read into what they're doing with him, but um, yeah, he's I didn't up know there. That. I, I didn't don't know, know if they're going to spread him or what, but uh, pretty weird. Wow. Um, did you hear about this um, Lucasfilm exec that uh, gave this uh, this uh, famous YouTuber shit for his his reaction video? So he did a reaction <laughs> video of the finale of Mandalorian, and <laughs> this Lucasfilm executive tweeted at him emotions are not to be shared and so it was kind of wow. news in the last couple shaming. of weeks that people are like what <laughs> what kind That's of funny shaming That's and funny. the person wrote after the fact uh i was being funny you know or said something stupid like that but like talk about <laughs> right, being tone deaf you know it's yeah, like jesus christ jesus um oh another that has uh, nothing to do with star wars that's an yeah. older person not understanding the current <laughs> right. generation and look i don't like all the stuff for the current sure. generation, right but like that's just an older person not getting that and i, I don't know that it. they're an older person i don't know that they're yeah, an older that's true. generation i actually think it might be a somewhat younger person but anyways um i didn't look up who that person was i don't care who they are um some upcoming movies I want to talk, or and just things in general, TV also. Um, so today is January 2nd. We're recording this. You'll hear it soon. On January 5th, which is t- uh, Tuesday, 
Um, we have this show on Netflix I'm looking forward to called The History of Swear Words with Nicholas. Cage. I cannot wait. <laughs> so, you have yeah. no idea, even without Nick Cage, which just makes it better. Sure, this sure. is this is the hill that I decided to die on back when I was like 12. <laughs> and I was a very goody two-shoe. I mean, I was straight edge, dude. I didn't sure, sure. smoke anything when I was in high school. I was very by the book and you know, kind of a upbringing steeped in uh, Southern religion and everything else. Yeah. Um, and from the from God, dude, from like pre teenage years, I just remember thinking, wait a minute. All right. So the Bible has been translated. So even if God was like, here are the words that are, you know, what I mean, I was like, these are not the same words that were said not to be said. Also, the idea of words not being said, I get the idea of look, polite society, we need to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who's dropping F bombs in front of a, a, a woman with her two year old son, because right. she might not want him to hear those. I'm going to be respectful. At the same time. We decided these words were bad. I mean, I remember even like the debate in my own head of like, oh, using the Lord's name in vain. I remember just thinking like, if you say God damn, you're talking about God damning something. Like if you said damn God, I guess I would understand. Yeah, but no one says that. Like even that doesn't make sense. And I think that was the first window for my tiny brain when I was a kid, my first window into, you know, that thought when you, the first time you have that thought where you're like, oh, People are doing this just because it's the way we've always done it. No right. one's thinking about this at all. Right. And not that I need to rock the boat. It doesn't really matter, you know, if people. But I rem- that was like one of the first things that I remember being like, why the fuck does this matter? Like, who cares? Like, do we really have not, not enough things to worry about that we're going to worry about words? So I'm, I'm very invested in the yeah. show. I'm very interested just from some of the interviews with them being like, how did this start? Why are these words bad? Who gives a shit? It's actually it, scientifically proven. It helps you to say them. Like, right. all of these things are very it important. sounds wonderful. I and I am uh, not a fan of censorship of any kind. So that is, right, uh, right. That is great. Can't I'm wait. super Can't excited. Uh, so elsewhere in January... We've got a couple of movies that so in in uh, less um, locked down states where movie theaters are open, a couple of the big movies that came out on Christmas are News of the World, the Tom Hanks movie, um, and Still One really Night in it. Miami, which is up for or is no doubt going to be up for a lot of awards. Yeah, both of really those awesome. movies are going to be on VOD in the next couple of weeks because both most. Mostly what's happening for the next few months is that while movie theaters are still closed in major markets like New York and L.A. um, and San Francisco, they are uh, sticking to the 17-day rule. Once it is released in theaters, 17 days later, it can go on VOD. That is per the contract signed with most movie theaters. Uh, I think even before COVID, that 17-day rule existed. But it was more common that it was like months, you know, two, three months. And I don't know, maybe that was the previous contract. But the point being, um, so the the news of the world is, I think, 17 days to the day, um, January 11th. And then January 15th, One Night in Miami is on VOD. So I'll be watching those coming soon. Um, WandaVision, the very anticipated, weird, I don't know what it is kind of show from the MCU, uh, starring the only one that's interesting enough for me to Scarlet Witch and, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, vision, vision, Vision. um, on Disney, that's going to be on Disney plus January 15th starting. Um, we have a second season of snow piercer, which I really dug that first season. Um, I can't believe that there's a second season coming out because the reality is the first season started last January. The idea that this seemingly big, nice car alarm, uh, sorry, if anybody can hear that, this seemingly big budget show should not be 
uh, able to do another season so fast. I have no idea right, how they're ready right. to release another season. Um, I think it's because they're in another country and they've been filming in another country or whatever, but it is amazing that they're ready to do this other season. Um, February uh, is going to uh, be the month of a lot of the Oscar baiting movies um, because uh, I think that's when a lot of stuff will be hitting theaters um, right. and they have an extension on, on, on some of this stuff. Um, but Nomadland which is arguably the most Oscar buzzy movie uh, that's coming out um, is going to be out February 19th. Um, and the last one I have, did you see the trailer for nobody with, um, no. with uh, 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 Bob Odenkirk? It's from the people that not. did John wick. So it's just think John, oh, John wick I, with I'm Bob sorry. Odenkirk. I have. Yeah. I have. Um, yeah. And it's got, the title, uh, yes. it's got Christopher Lloyd in it too. I think playing his dad. So anyways, check out nobody that'll be out in February. So, uh, so that rounds out uh, the trailers and news and stuff. Um, I think we should plow through some rotten tomatoes scores. Can you guess what um, <laughs> film series we're going to do? Let's do it. Are you going to do Mission Impossible? Yes, sir. Let's start okay. at the beginning. Oh, all one, right. One through all six. Right. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, for the original Mission Impossible, uh, I believe that critics gave Mission Impossible a 92. Okay. And audiences gave it an 88. 64 and 71. Holy. Wait, critics gave yeah. Mission Impossible a 64? Yep. So nobody liked that movie. I thought that movie was. You. I thought I was the one who liked it less, right. Than the well, masses. You probably, if you had said your number, you probably would have said like sixty something, right? So I, I, I would have. That's and, uh, uh, you are actually. Again, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, you are um, actually right in the right pocket. That's you. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I do remember thinking that it was a little ahead of its time and that mm-hmm. audiences weren't really ready for I that think that's much true. misdirection, which I think it would have even 10 years later, people would have been like, okay, cool. Um, I know I wasn't ready for the, all that Oh, no, no, no. Like, of course. When we were like, you know, eight, five years, eight years old, whatever, there's just no way that you can really follow the uh, the plot um, or, you know, right. the, the, the complexities of the plot. I, when Laurie was watching it, she definitely uh, was like, ah, no, I didn't get that. You know, there were things that I definitely, and I was like, I didn't get that in the beginning. I mean, I've watched this so many times. I've been able to piece together, uh, you know, exactly how it all plays. But uh, pretty right. pretty dense. Uh, Mission Impossible right. two. <laughs> now this is a real. This you re- this really throw me for a loop because I now I have no idea whether whether somehow this is going to have a higher ranking <laughs> than Mission Impossible or lower. Go with your guy. Um, I'm going to say critics hated this movie um, and gave it a a fifty. I'll just say even fifty, and audiences gave it a sixty two. 57 very close and 42 from audiences so i audience i think that's validating that the critics is a little higher um i think that people uh yeah definitely didn't like it um too many and so three (laughs) um three i think was the triumphant comeback i think that um critics gave three uh uh, and 85 and audiences gave it a 86 i would have agreed with those guesses uh 71 and 69 Fuck. Oh well. Does no one like Mission Impossible? It's, it's a little low. It's just it's for me yeah. that movie holds up so well and is such a fun action movie. I don't get that, but uh, whatever, critics. Yeah. Um all right, so then you could argue that this is really the 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 uh, beginning of Mission Impossible as we know it. Um yeah. 
Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I'm going to stick right around to what I said on the last one. I think uh, we're mid-80s, so I think 85 critics, 80, 86 audiences. 94 and 76. Nice. Once again, though, audiences not as on board. I don't get that either. How can you not I, totally I really do love think everyone watching loves that these. movie? You know, this was one of the first ones we really got in an argument with Kevin and our buddy Zach. Remember, they both were like four. You remember four? We were both like, oh, that's everything you'd want right. in a spy, right. super spy movie. And we were like, that's perfect. And they were just like, same boring stuff. They didn't, the nuclear bomb thing. Okay. And I was kind of like, yeah, but the third one had a MacGuffin they didn't even name. That doesn't matter to me so much. No. And we really, really had an argument about that, if you remember. Um, we just had, <laughs> of the like four people that were talking about it, two were decidedly against it. And us, you and me, were both decidedly for it. So weird. Um, the the biggest thing about four to me, and um, you know, you guys will watch it soon. From the moment they get to that building, you really have like three or four action set pieces in a row that just crush it. Right. I mean, hit on every level, and and they don't stop. They are back to back. They are so well done, and it's a good movement of about forty minutes. That is probably the best 40 minute stretch to me of any Mission Impossible. Also, just even so impressive movie. to me because that's Brad Bird directed that and he had come from Pixar movies. He's an animation yep. director. The yep. fact that this he his first nails match. it. So I'm like, how can you direct that well when you've never done? I don't I mean, they obviously the studio had faith in him, but um, it's just where it's does that come interesting from? That you know? they, yeah, they plucked J.J. Abrams. Obviously, you, mm-hmm. live action TV is probably closer to movies. And you could argue Mission Impossible 3, as good as I think it is, feels a little bit like a TV movie. It does. Some 100%. Ways, yes. Uh, yes. As good as it is. But um but you you could it's weird that they gave him like his first shot for Mission Impossible 3 and yeah. then they go to an animation director and yeah. give him his first shot for 4. That's kind of cool. It anyway, is wild. Right, so uh, that's what we got Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. That would be the fifth one. Um again, I think people are are into it at this point. But wait, what was what was you gave before was uh the the critics gave it a 94. Uh, I'll tell you Audiences Ghost Protocol had uh, 94 and 76. So based on that, and I'm reassessing a little bit in my head here, I think critics gave this one a 92 and audiences gave it a 75. 93 and 87. So that's the most significant okay. bump. In, audiences uh, are now getting on yeah. board. Um, okay. And the last but not least, uh, I mean, this is the one kind of like Skyfall. I don't think this, I love six, but I don't think it was the best one, but I think most people did. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do audiences for Mission Impossible 6. 96 and you're saying say, audiences first or critics? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Critics, Criti- yeah. critics 96. Yeah. I always do that. It's okay. And audiences 92. 97 and 88. So, yeah, you're okay. very close. close. Um, this is obviously the highest one. Like you said, it uh, clearly from those numbers is the most loved from everyone. And right. the argument is this is the best one. Um, I would agree that I think probably Rogue Nation is a more quality um, mm-hmm. one of these mm-hmm. to me, um, I, but I'm about to rewatch all of them. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, you'll see. you know, we'll see. So that's Mission Impossible good. 4, for me, Mission Impossible 4 is Casino Royale and Mission Impossible 6 is Skyfall. <laughs> nice. And I just prefer nice. Casino Royale, but they're, <laughs> yes. you know, but they're received the exact same way. Very so. good. Very good. Go. Um, okay. So Fair let's do fun. some hidden gems. What do you got? So my hidden gem, I'm 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 running back towards uh, uh, the holidays here because we watched something and I kind of held off on this one. Um, Jess's sister, Erica, this is like her favorite movie of all time. Okay. So based on her recommendation, we watched it. And I'm going to tell you, man, I really kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, okay, let's watch this because we're looking for holiday stuff uh-huh. right now. But is this going to be any good? Uh, it's a movie with Queen Latifah. Um, uh, it's... 
I, well, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's called Last Holiday. Okay. It came out about 15 years ago. I'm aware of it, but I never saw it, I don't think. Yeah. It is so much better than it has any right to be. Really? Um, <laughs> okay. and, and this is not something that, you know, oh, incredible filmmaking. This is just something that is an endearing story, um, you know, compelling compelling story uh, and and really heartwarming. I mean, the reason I'm putting it out there is sure. because you know, we're coming off of the holiday season and I'm, I'm adding this to if you've got the list of movies you want to watch at that time of year – Please give Last Holiday a shot. Throw that into the mix. Um, you'll be pleasantly surprised you, if you can get through. It's not hard to get through, but if you can get through like the first 30 minutes, it really hits like kind of another um, at least pace at that point cool. where you're just kind of on board the rest of the way through. But very sweet movie, uh, Last Holiday. Definitely worth checking out. And I had never seen it. If I had heard about it, I didn't care. And I would never have watched it had it not been recommended. Sure. Um, I think Eric actually said just... I'm, I'm hesitant on story. all like sappy Christmas movies. I just am not ready right. to dive into those, so I get you. Um, but that's a, that's a good, uh, good advice. Um, yeah, mine is pretty weird. It's one that I watched with the movie watching group, which, by the way, real quick, our movie watching group has now transitioned into a new category, which is oh, yeah. space movies. Um, space? We finished... Yeah, we finished up our Private Eye series with um, something called uh, Zero Effect. Actually, no, we finished it with Maltese Falcon, but we watched Zero Effect and then Maltese Falcon. Zero Effect, I would recommend. It's uh, uh, a very unknown. That's not my hidden gem, but check it out. Um, And then we transitioned into space movies, and the first two that we've watched are Total Recall and Event Horizon. (laughs) So (laughs) it's been very fun. Um, And this can be anything with this setting of space, right? So you could have like an Apollo 13 and also a Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, cool. And so, and, and the, cool. the premise is that everyone picks their own, you know, picks one for one week, and so it's just a, a mix of what everybody wants to watch. Yeah. Um, can you but, can you give me the lineup? I mean, I know we're, we're yeah, yeah, sure. Time, um, the next, so actually, one of them, <laughs> Phil, uh, Phil, one of our guys, uh, picked Solaris, and I assumed he meant the original. Oh. And when I downloaded it, I was like, oh, this is in Russian. I didn't quite put that together. I yep. need to yep. find. And then I mentioned that to everybody. I was like, does everybody know that this is actually it's a russian movie but it's in russian and that i would need to have an audio i need to have the audio track enabled for english oh so we're watching yeah. a dubbed yeah. russian movie or we're watching it with subtitles <laughs> subtitle uh mutual watching over zoom is incredibly difficult because you have to read everything it's just not was possible. he talking about the george clooney remake? and he was he was like he's like oh i didn't know there was a, an original and i was like okay well wait let's stop let's stop what does wow. everybody think about telling Phil to pick a new movie? Because the reason that Solaris got picked is because the original Solaris is considered very, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, outstanding. It's, but it's one of the all. It's not yeah. appropriate for this setting. It's also two hours and forty six minutes. So I was like, I don't want to shit on him, but yeah, pick a new one. So we're waiting for movie. Phil's pick. But the point is, the next <laughs> few weeks are also going to include Silent Rutting, Forbidden Planet, and Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai is my pick, and the reason I picked Buckaroo Banzai, in addition to it being a crazy movie, I know. That that I've never seen. Um, Buckaroo Banzai is a big part of the Ready Player One, Ready Player Two mythology. It's one of right. the writer's yeah. favorite yeah. things, and it obviously comes up in the movie a bit. Um, so we're we're watching those, and then Phil is going to add one more. So 
Well, I've seen yeah. all of these movies so far, so I don't know what Phil will pick. I've actually <laughs> seen both Solaris movies as well, we, so I'm, I'm curious um, what his last We one have will. a pretty long list of uh, potential space movies everybody added to a big Google Doc list, uh-huh. and so he's uh-huh. going to look through that and see what, because it's really about picking one that you've never seen. So Well, well you know, Forbidden Planet is considered by a lot of people to be the greatest science fiction movie of all time. Cool. Um, I've never seen it. I've never it, seen Forbidden Planet. I've never seen Silent Running, and I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. I so. mean, it's got all the tropes of Robbie the Robot is sort of... Of, you know, kind of that you mm-hmm. know that character sure. that you, know, you see a lot of times ripped up. But also the biggest thing, whether you think it, oh, this is the greatest sci-fi movie or not. Right. Um, what's interesting is it, you you will definitely see Kelly, particularly you, the seeds of what Star Trek would become on cool. TV a little yep. later. Uh, it, it's very much kind of the template for cool. what a Star Trek episode was, like the original series, like what mm-hmm. you know. Kirk and Spock and that kind that's of very exciting that's cool, I'm, man. I'm excited I'm, I'm for excited all of it I mean space yeah. is just such a great genre and yeah, we, we watched yeah. Event Horizon last night and that movie is fucked up and I it, it holds Scary. up though I really loved it um, you know the first time I saw it I was eight and I got scarred for life of course um, <laughs> yes, but now Jesus. as an adult it's, it's really interesting and as one of the guys in the group looked up afterwards um, that movie's only a, an hour and 35 minutes and you look it up, and the original cut was two hours, and that difference is made up of lots and lots and lots of horrific imagery and entire sequences of like n- nude sequences of hellish torture. Um, and that's we get glimpses of that oh, in the edit. You know, we see these yeah. glimpses, but they're truly like frames each of these things that the people on board are envisioning in their head. But um, a lot of that was shot. And I think the story is that a lot of that does exist somewhere. So you can watch it on YouTube or something like that. But um, anyway, so to end this episode, the point of saying all that is that this is another semi space related movie that we watched as a group aside from the normal viewing. And it is a cult classic of John Carpenter's that none of us had seen or almost none of us had seen called They Live. Um, Yes. Oh, my God. Genuinely did not know what They Live was about. Um, Oh, my God. Nor had I ever seen a scene of it, never had seen a trailer for it. I had no idea what They Live was about other than. come here to kick ass. I heard. (laughs) Yeah. I heard. Uh, and I no uh, chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. Yeah, just, is sorry, the word. Yeah. I fucked it up. <laughs> no, no, it's God okay. It's it. a great quote. Um, and the point is that all I knew is that it had some vague alien connection. Um, yep, yep. I would recommend to anyone that just enjoys fun, weird movies, um, watch They Live. It is an insane John Carpenter movie. Um, you know the, the guy, casting alone uh, yeah, is I mean, hysterical. Yeah. Um, uh, basically starring a a pro wrestler, <laughs> you know that never right. acted yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I would recommend it. That's my hidden gem. They live. It's insane. And if you're curious, it is the origination of the Obey, um, uh, you know, poster that's very famous now and is yes. used as a yes. as a brand and as a as a symbol. And, and as there's a piece more of going art. on in terms of thought and concept in They Live than maybe it even has a right to have. That's like, what I'm saying. Just, like it, you know, it is so great. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I, and yeah. yet, you know, it, it's made into this like pretty corny movie, but it has something there. There's really something there. Um, that's what's great about it, though. It's this cheesy, idiotic movie, yeah. and then you know this the 
subtext, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like this thing that you can, oh, it's, it's right. so, so satisfying. On, so. so satisfying. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's all I got for today. We are in 2021. This is our first episode and we hope you're having a better year so far. Um, you got anything else? Yeah, we're happy to be back. We all made it through 2020. Yeah, we did. Um, stay strong. There is a vaccine. Um, it will take a while, yeah. but you know, we're all, we're all heading towards the light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully yep. it's not a train. So. We love you guys. Adios. Bye.